open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode two of Retro Hangover. May 23rd. This is the second episode of Retro Hangover Podcast. I am here with you tonight as Chris Copeland. I am joined by... Are, are you only Chris Copeland tonight? Is that... Are, do you have multiple identities I don't know about? Well, depends which game console I'm using. That's weird, man. Yes. He's joined by Shane Kosky, as usual. Yes. So, uh... So, Chris, what have you been up to this week? Well, I'm not getting a lot of sleep. Uh, mm, me thoroughly, too. Thoroughly exhausted. Uh, been a long week. I think two days this week I've had to wake up at like 3.30 in the morning and stay at work till like 6. But Fun. I'm, uh, it's the end of the weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend. So I'm going to definitely sleep in tomorrow and enjoy that. Uh, but in terms of video games... Do you actually get the holiday off? I do. I do this year. I never get it off. Well, I mean, that's a personal problem. You should probably, you know, <laughs> keep to your significant other. But, hey Hey. But, uh, in terms of video games, uh, you know, uh, I've been playing Batman Arkham Asylum, uh, based off a recommendation of one of my friends. I think you know him. I, I don't know who that is. Oh, okay. Uh, but... Yeah, so Shane recommended I play Batman Arkham Asylum from a list of games that I picked out. Uh, doing pretty far in the game, I believe. I'm not quite sure how far I am. Never played it before. Well, I played it before. I didn't make it this far. I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's really dark, really gritty, really Batman-y. <laughs> That's his thing, man. Yeah, dark. I am Batman. Yes, you are. He's doing the Christian Bale and... Uh, Lego Batman impression. <laughs> uh, actually, they, they it's nice to hear you know Kevin Conroy doing the voice of Batman, uh, Mark Hamill doing the voice of the Joker, and very Batman animated series. And I, you said Arkham City, right? Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum. That's yes. the first one. The first one. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Arkham City, I think, is the last one where Mark Hamill actually does the voice. He's not. He didn't do it in Origins. Was was the Joker even in Origins? I don't know. I didn't. I actually didn't play Origins. I know, um, I, I, but I believe it was actually somebody else. Yeah, I know he cut off his voice as the Joker, uh, which is sad. Yeah, he's definitely the iconic Joker voice, very much so. But other than that, um, we're going to be talking about it uh, really soon. But I I just came back from playing the uh, Splatoon Global Misfire uh, Test Fire. <laughs> ah. The sickest of burns. And, well, they had a nice little NES-inspired minigame that I got. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that shortly. We will, we will get to that. Uh, of course, continuing to play Record Keeper. But other than that, I mean, this, this week was so hectic and so busy. 
Um, I was lucky to even get the notes to Shane for this week's podcast because I haven't had time really to do anything except work and, and sleep and do my karate classes, but that's about it. How about you, Shane? What have you been up to? Slacking. Awesome. <sighs> no, that's you. You've been slacking. Oh, I've been slacking. I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't get these show notes till this morning. Hmm. So, you got uh, them yesterday, but continue. I mean, kind of. Uh-huh. Like half of You're them. You're welcome. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah, I mean, apart from the usual, more record keeper, um, we're back into the <clears throat> slaving away in the Magisite Mines for the newest event. Uh, Getting Lena. Yeah, yeah, well, that was the easy part. Now that it's just simple. grinding out all the rest of that crap. Mm-hmm. Um, that still sucked into Marvel Future Fight on iOS. That's That's been fun. Um, also, Contest of Champions, which is pretty much the only fighting game that I would actually play because I'm terrible at actual fighting games. Don't worry, you're not alone. Other than that, I actually finally got around to starting Alien Isolation. Um, so that's been fun. PC? Yeah, yeah, on Steam. Um, it was on sale recently, and so I picked that up. About three hours into it right now, uh, and uh, I've been enjoying it. It's good. Um, they do a really good job of building and maintaining the atmosphere of tension in that game. like Survival to, horror. Well, yeah, yeah, yes. but I mean, a lot of people try that, and it doesn't always work, but I feel like they pulled it off fairly well. I just got to the point where you first see the alien. And that's that's kind of what an alien game should be too. I mean, oh yeah, the, the yeah. whole entire first movie was about being isolated and alone, and that's what made it terrifying. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, it's a damn sight better than Colonial Marines. That's for sure. That was a travesty. But I actually really like the save system in that game, and some people had an issue with it. Uh, are you familiar with how that works? Uh, not really. So. The game will autosave, as most games do nowadays, at certain points, but if you want to manually save, you find these terminals throughout the station, and I actually really appreciate how they integrated that into uh, the style of the game, and what I mean by that is when you go up to one of these terminals, it's not just click on it and would you like to save. You actually go up and like put your key card into the terminal and you have to wait for these three lights to click down and it takes about three seconds um, before it will let you save so quite literally everything in the game is built around maintaining like that paranoia that you're about to get jumped by something so and and they did this very purposefully because when you're standing there with this key card in this terminal you can't move at all but if you move the mouse or the stick, if you're playing with a controller, your head, like, goes side to side. Like, you can look side to side, like, really quickly. So you're basically, like, looking over your shoulder this whole time while you're waiting for this terminal to do its thing. So some people didn't like that, but I actually think it adds to the atmosphere. You can't, so. Are you actually vulnerable during that time? Oh, yeah. You can uh, get killed. You, oh, okay. Yeah. See, see Alien Isolation... I, it reminds me of another game I haven't played, but I've, I've researched quite a bit to see whether I want it. I do want it. It's just very expensive, but it's uh, not not very, but considerably expensive. And it's called a game called Enemy Zero for the Sega Saturn. Hmm. It's made by the same guy who made D. I am not I, familiar with this. Okay, that's 
I know it's 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 obscure. It's very obscure. Mm. Um, but it's a game where you're you're pretty much going around. Uh, I think it's a spaceship, and you don't have any weapons except for like a a taser, and it's powered by batteries. And every single time you save, you use up battery power. Every single uh. time you use your weapon, it uses up battery power. So you just can't go around blasting things. And the enemy is invisible. You completely have to rely on where the enemy is at by sound. Oh, good. So so it's like a predator. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it, it's, I can imagine it being a very tense and terrifying game. And I want to hear a lot about Alien Isolation. It sounds like it's a much more polished version of that game. Because that game wasn't received very well. I know it has some issues. And it's, it is obscure probably for a reason. And it's a Sega Saturn exclusive, which doesn't help it. Hmm. So, it's, uh, yeah, there's my uh, obscure gaming moment uh, for, for, for the beginning, for the intro. Excellent. But, uh, yeah, no, I've been having fun with it. Um, going to try and see that one through to completion. But that's one of those games where just the, the atmosphere is so tense that, like, I can't play it for more than, like, an hour or two at a time. Like, I have to step away and, like, take a break for a little while because... If you get that immersed into it, it's just like, I need to not be on edge for, like, 20 minutes. Uh, but it's good. Uh, apart from that... Um, oh, and I a friend of mine actually bought a four-pack of Guns of Icarus online. That was on sale recently. Is that game good? I saw you've been playing it. It's not bad. Yeah, it's definitely something you want to play with friends um, okay. because you it takes a lot of collaboration. I mean, you're all basically the crew of this like dirigible steampunk ship, and uh, each of you has a role like in, that you choose ahead of time. So one of you is a pilot, one of you is an engineer, and then one of you is a gunner. And depending on the ship, I believe the fourth person can either be an extra gunner or an extra engineer, but uh, you all just need to be constantly communicating about making sure that your ship is running correctly and that you're, you know, maneuvering the ship so that you can uh, properly, you know, attack your enemies and all that stuff. Uh, But yeah, it was pretty fun. But other than that, I I think that's pretty much it this week. Mm -hmm. I did buy Ask Creed 4 for $10. Oh yeah, that's right. You get Ask Creed that. Four, and uh, I can get you Resident Evil Revelations for the Wii U for twenty, brand new. I I don't even know if I want that. Should I want that? I don't know. I, I think you. I, I think you're supposed to want that. I have no idea. It, it, it's the new Resident Evil game. Well, not new now. It's been out for a while, but it's the one that's supposed to go back to its roots. Yeah, I don't know. Last that's a pretty good I, price. I don't know. Last thing I saw that I was interested in was like the the HD remaster that they released of the original Resident Evil <clears throat> which coincidentally is something we'll be talking about in a bit too yes but you know that's that's pretty much all I did this week all you did that week yeah good week pretty good week not that active I think uh, both of us could say we're pretty inactive this week even by our standards I feel like we've said that every week yeah but like this week even more so I mean, I admit every week's going to be very light for me, but I mean, man, there's like five days I didn't even play anything. Not even a mobile game. <laughs> Shameful. Yes. Well, we're done with the foreplay, so let's get down to business. Look what's over at the bar and talk about what's on tap.
so first story that we're going to go over this week is not so much a story necessarily, more of an experience, or lack thereof. And this is fresh! Yeah, super fresh. Super fresh. Splatoon. There was supposed to be one more test fire demo today, as a matter of fact, and uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that I am not the only one, and well, we are not the only ones, mm-hmm. that... Uh, Booted that thing up and then proceeded to not play it. No, oh, I played something. I mean, I played the tutorial. The, the tutorial. Yeah. And then there was the mini game. There, yeah, there is a mini game. So, a lot of people, and I was, I was looking at this while it was going on. Several people were reporting that they just could not connect to a game at all for the duration of this test fire event. I'm. From what I could tell, this didn't happen last time. I wasn't able to play last time. I was not either. Um, but it seemed like it went smoother. So I don't know what happened today. But I booted it up. I played through the tutorial. And then after doing the tutorial, by the way, immediately turned off the motion controls. Because fuck that. You can turn uh, those off? Hell yes. In the options, you just go in there and you turn it off. And then you can just use the right stick to look everywhere. I couldn't even find the options. Yeah. Shows you how much I was paying attention. I was, I was more frustrated about the fact I couldn't play the damn thing. Some people, I'm sure, will like the motion controls to aim. Um, I don't. Uh, I would rather just use the analog stick. That worked much better for me. But went and did that. You know, did customized my character as much as you can. It's like three options. And then tried to connect to uh, a match and... Could not. However, there was that really sweet little, like, high jump game on a tablet. The sweet is uh, (laughs) being generous. I may be sarcastic. Maybe. Just a little. Just a little? I might be facetious. You know, I think it happens. It could have been a preview for their mobile games. Uh, (laughs) That's depressing. Let's not. Let's not. (laughs) Well, uh,. I had much of the same experience. Uh, logged on at 6, highly anticipating being able to play this game. Uh, I was not able to do it last time. I was not able to go to the Splatoon event they had at the Best Buy mm-hmm. with the Nintendo rep. So this was my. This, I was looking forward to seeing if this is a game I want to purchase. Cause I'm, a, I'm a Nintendo guy. Uh, logged on at 6, nothing. Just kept on playing that stupid, what, Squid Jump? What it called Squid Jump Game? Yeah, I think so. And I, I consistently tried. I was persistent. I went all the way to seven. And I guess people had given up at seven because as soon as seven hit, like the end of the hour, I was able to get in some matches. Uh, well, it was supposed to be done by seven. It was supposed to be done. Maybe they extended an hour and didn't tell anybody. It's because I, uh, I, I left the house to come here to film this podcast around 7.20 or so. And I was and by film he means record record because we're not filming yet. Uh, Yes, hopefully. But like my 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 son was still playing the game when I left, and he was having a blast. This was like seven twenty seven twenty five, still playing the game, and I was able to get three matches in. I could say it's a fun game. Those motion controls are definitely an acquired taste. I did not like them. I don't think my kid liked them either. Uh, But it is a fun game. I used the paint roller Mm. weapon, uh, which it it sucks in trying to attack somebody unless they're not looking. Then it's very satisfying to roll over them. (laughs) Unfortunate, some some criticisms I will lay towards the game. One, it needs 
voice chat. It needs voice support. It won't happen. I know it won't happen, but it needs it. It's it's it severely hurts that game. Uh, the other thing is, is uh, I wasn't able to swap my weapon because it took me so long to find a server. I was afraid because it was after seven. One, I wouldn't be able to play again if I took myself off, mm. and two, if I did take myself off, I wouldn't be able to log in and play again. But the motion controls were were pretty bad. It needs voice chat. I know it's just a small sample, probably one game mode that I was playing, uh, and it's gonna have you're gonna have better tutorials in the actual game, I would hope. But it needs voice chat. It, it hurts. It hurts that game way too much, and they need to look at their servers. Because I can tell you, the only reason I was even able to play that game is because by 7 o'clock, I think everyone had given up and thought it was over. Yeah. And so people just started dropping left and right. <clears throat> well, I wasn't even that patient. Like I said, I, I gave up at about quarter of 7. And I, after sitting there trying to connect for, you know, a good 45 minutes or so. So, well, I mean, at least you got in. That's good. You got to experience it. Um, it, I mean, I really can't say one way or the other. You can't really base much off of a tutorial. Um, that's that was a, that's embarrassing for Nintendo, though. Yeah, yeah, I would have. Well, especially considering this isn't the first time that they've done this. You know, this was right. the what second test fire, second or third, I guess. But but if you missed it and you're looking forward to play the game, this is your first impression. Oh yeah, and the servers yeah. can't even connect you. Yeah, why why would you want to buy this game? I wasn't. Honestly, super stoked about this game anyway, um, and this is certainly not helping. But it doesn't feel like a sixty-dollar uh, game. I'll tell you that much too. No, it really comes across as a twenty-dollar downloadable title or something. Um, so I don't know. I suppose if I ever end up playing it, I'll I will probably wait till it's on sale, as I usually do. <laughs> at least, at least paying. At least the online's free on the Wii U. I'll give it that. Much. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean they do it. have that going for them. But, in better Nintendo news, um, they are finally, after a very, very long hiatus... 25 years. Bringing back the Nintendo World Championships. Or, like, U.S. Championships, because that's where it's mostly located. I mean, listen, this is the World Championship in the same way that the World Series is a World Series. Yeah. So, if you haven't seen it already, you know, it was announced when, uh, as a Nintendo Direct, where Reggie fils you know, he's doing this cute little YouTube video that they always do where he's announcing the World Championship, and I guess he has his kid come out and say he's going to be the boss, and then he starts doing this montage where he starts pretty much playing at the strings of every Nintendo fanboy's nostalgia. You know, he had him playing with the weightlifting with Game Cubes and uh, the Super Scope 6s and eating bananas in front of Donkey Kong Country and playing Wii Sports and all that stuff like that. And, you know, then said, oh, Nintendo World Championships is going to be starting up. And they have announced locations of these places. And it's I look at it as pretty unfortunate, the places they've chosen. They're, they're I wouldn't say they're remote, but they leave a lot of people out. I mean, I mean, yes, they do. Uh, <clears throat> I really don't know how extensive they would have wanted to go with this. And presumably, if if you really want to participate in this that badly, then I guess you'll travel. Um, not that that's an ideal answer, but uh, 
So this this thing that they're doing uh, looks like the championship mode of Ultimate NES Remix on 3DS is going to be featured in this thing. Um, they're going to be score-based challenges in things such as Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 3, and Dr. Mario. Uh, each of the locations that they're setting up for this thing will send its top score to the finals, which is going to be in Los Angeles. As far as the locations, there are a couple in California, uh, one in Illinois, one in Minnesota, one in New York, one in Texas, one in Washington, and then for those of us that are local to our area, uh, there is one in Florida. Of course, it's in Miami, so even for us, that would be a little bit of a drive. Not worth it. For me, anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not going to participate in this. I'm, I'm, I'm an old man by these standards. Well, I mean, they're they're pitching us games right up our alley, though. I mean, they are, but I I've gone to enough like video game tournaments, even locally. I I know when I am outclassed by someone like a decade younger than I am. Like, yeah, they can they can have their glory. When they're doing things I didn't even know existed in these games. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Oh, you didn't know this existed in this game? No. And I get pounded by, like, two laps in Mario Kart. Yeah. Because they know a secret trick. But here, here's the interesting thing I'm finding about the games they chose. First of all, Ultimate NES Remix. Okay, they're, they're kind of tapping into something new. They can still kind of push out whatever copies of this game that they have floating around or get a second breath out of that game. Uh, and, and you know copies 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 because everything Nintendo makes has a long tail sure but you look at first of all the, like going back to locations uh, I think I remember trying my, like my dad had me play uh, Super Mario Brothers for the Nintendo World Championships back in 1990 I think I remember actually playing for that uh, I was playing Super Mario Brothers and I thought the purpose I think it was still a score attack but I, I thought the purpose was to see how far you can make it and how fast of a time it was because mm-hmm. I remember that's what they wanted me to do and I was rushing it. I kept on dying on the underground level for some stupid reason. I even was thinking to myself how stupid I was because I kept falling down a cliff. But, like, that was local. And even there was a Blockbuster World Championships back in the mid-90s where they had you play games like NBA Jam and Clay Fighter. What? Okay. <clears throat> I can see NBA Jam, but but Clay Fighter? Clay Fighter. What? Why? I... Why Clay Fighter of all games? Because I think it was new, and I think Blockbuster had some sort of arrangement with Interplay to kind of pitch the game for rentals or whatever the case may be. But yeah, Clay Fighter was a game that they tried to see how high you could score, and that was a game that they tried to see how good you were. I think I actually did pretty well, but not obviously not worth anything. I mean, this game included a character who was... A blob and also an Elvis impersonator called Blue Suede Goo. Yes. It also had a piece of taffy mm-hmm. and a snowman. <laughs> Bad Mr. Frosty. Bad Mr. Frosty. Yeah. It's it's a classic for all the wrong reasons. It's it's like the schlocky B-horror movie of video games. But another thing I'm interested in looking at these games that they're including for the Nintendo World Championships... Is you'd think they'd probably find something from at least the 16-bit era, maybe the Nintendo 64, or even something on the Wii U itself. It seems odd that they would go all the way back to the original Nintendo games. Uh, going that far back, maybe, yes. I, I wouldn't use anything from the N64. 
honestly. If if they were going to set up a bunch of N sixty fours, dude. Have you looked at any of those games lately? They look like crap. They look hideous. They're terrible. They're a muddy mess. Like, I... <laughs> there's no way that you can hold a legitimate tournament with those games because everyone's just going to be spending the entire time wondering what the fuck they're looking at. Mario Kart 64 fans would have something to say with you. Even though they're wrong, they still have I don't care. To say I you. don't like any of you. That's that if you if that is your favorite Mario Kart, I we are not friends. Oh, that, that that Mario Kart does suck. If anyone has gone back and played it, maybe you're looking at that the Mario Kart sucks, sorry. In my opinion, and I'm right. I think I'm this one. It's it's a bad game, Mario Kart 64. Yes, it is. It's a bad and, game. And actually, speaking of that stuff, that's something I forgot. I picked up a copy of Mario 64 DS recently. For like 12 bucks because I've been watching a playthrough of Mario 64 on YouTube and I you know that got the nostalgia train running so I was like I own a copy the actual N64 copy but I know better and I'm not gonna go back and play that one so I was like they made an update to it I'll go get it for my 3DS so I did it's not bad um, it it's cleaned up, so you can actually tell what stuff is, uh, but it also highlights a lot of the things that I think I overlooked when I was younger that are wrong about that game, mostly that 3D platforming is really hard to pull off, uh, and it's frustrating. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. No, no N64. We're, oh. we're ruling that out. Yes. But maybe maybe one of the reasons that they're going for Nintendo games is because Nintendo turns 30 this year. That could very well be it. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so with this year being being the uh, the thirty year anniversary of the original Nintendo Entertainment System, that might be why they're doing that. And uh, because it is such a milestone year for them, uh, there is a collaboration currently going on between a video game museum located in Rochester, New York called The Strong, which I, I, I can't honestly say I know why it's called that, but that's fine. Uh, and I'm going to butcher this, uh, but the Ritsumeikan University in Kyoto, Japan. Ritsumeikan? Sure. Um, I told you I'm going to ruin it either way. Go for it. Uh, I, I, ju- <laughs> I, just, did. I did. I just did. I said go for it, ruin it. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so they are collaborating to bring a, an exhibit of the Nintendo Entertainment System to the Strong. And uh, they're going to be including uh, a, lot of, a lot of stuff from the history of the system, a lot of what went into the development. You're going to be able to play an assortment of the original NES games there at the exhibit, along with some previously unseen interviews uh, with uh, hardware developer uh, Masayuki Yumura. So, I don't know. This looks pretty cool. I'm not sure why the location was chosen. It's probably just this guy has a vested interest. I mean, if, if you look at it, someone he probably reached out to this place in Kyoto. Because I think Nintendo's not going to help out with this. I don't think Nintendo mm-hmm. really views it as the 30th anniversary of the Nintendo Entertainment System. Because I think to Nintendo... Maybe not Nintendo of America, but to Nintendo Nintendo of Japan, they view it as the 32nd year of the Nintendo. Mm. Because the Famicom is 1983. And if you look back at, you know, they had the year of Luigi and they had, you know, a couple of those special edition DSs and 3DS, I think the 3DSs, 
where they said 30th anniversary of the Famicom. That's that's they kind of celebrated. I think they did a poor job of it. I think they could have done a better job mm. of celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Famicom. But I don't see Nintendo really doing anything for the Nintendo Entertainment System. I am surprised Nintendo of America isn't doing anything for it. That yeah, really you, is surprising. You'd, you'd think that they would, um, since that is a pretty significant milestone for them. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, this this museum, the Strong, might actually be a little bit more prominent than I am aware of. Because uh, according to this article that, that we were looking at, um, they actually had a World Video Game Hall of Fame that they were putting together. So they seem to be a little bit more legit than maybe I thought at first. Or they're trying Um, to be more legit. I mean, if they were going to, this is a good way to do it. Because in addition to just this exhibit that they're setting up here, they've sort of established an exchange program with the university in Kyoto so that members of both of these places can travel back and forth between locations and share information. And it seems that this is going to be the beginning of an ongoing thing, uh, according to some of the statements that they've made. They really want to continue bringing a lot of the history and information surrounding the Japanese game development culture over to America for people to experience at the Strong. So this uh, this looks like the beginning of something that could last for a while. So it could be interesting. I don't know. Maybe maybe a road trip is in order. And I think you know down the line gets to October, which I think is the official month of the anniversary of the Nintendo Entertainment System in America. We could pr- we'll probably talk about more what the NES meant to the gaming industry and stuff like that at that time. Probably I view it as the most important system to the video game industry, at least in North America. Well then, yeah, maybe we'll save that for the we get the birthday month. Nintendo's not the only thing having a significant birthday. Yeah, you know, this year there's an even older man. Yes, in, in the uh, in the video game realm, Pac-Man turns thirty-five. Yesterday he did the most unlikely of uh, video game mascots, who started life as Puck-Man, but mm. uh, due to Namco's concern that that particular word could easily be misconstrued as maybe something else in the English language. No idea what that might be. I, I don't know. Uh, Duckman? Yeah, that might be some sort of conflict of interest. Luckman? I feel like you're getting warmer. Fuck, I can't think about it. Yeah, I don't know either. In any case, they seem to think that that was a bad idea, so they changed it slightly and gave us what we have known for 35 years now as Pac-Man, which kicked off the Pac-Mania that ensued once that arcade machine ended up here on our shores. And it has endured quite well since then. Still an iconic character. Which is weird, because it's just... It's it's a yellow circle that eats dots. That's all it is. And gets chased by goats. Ghosts. Yes, goats. Get chased by ghosts. And eats ghosts. Somebody make that Pac-Man mod right now. Pac-Man Goat Simulator. Yes. Pac-Man, Pac-Man, very, very important video game character for the industry. One of the most important video games ever released. I think it's up there at Super Mario Brothers and Tetris in terms of games that came out. I think it's more important than Space Invaders. Maybe not as important as Pong, but we're, you know, we're, we're 
talking semantics here, we're splitting hairs. Sure. But the important thing about Pac-Man is that when Pac-Man came out, Pac-Man became a mascot. Pac-Man became more than just uh, pixels on screen. He became more than an objective you were trying to accomplish. He became Pac-Man. He was recognizable as an actual character. He had his own cartoon series. He had his own cereal, clothing line, toys. And this is this is before video games were well recognized. This is before the NES. This is this Pac-Man was just huge. He brought in a whole entire new mentality to the gaming market. He brought the youth into the gaming experience. They were going to the arcades now to play this. It was a completely different atmosphere back then in 1980. Yeah, and uh, before you went to the arcade, if you were a kid, you could have your chewable Pac-Man multivitamin to make sure that you were ready for a day of (laughs) Pac-Mania. Maybe we can just blame him for the shameless, like, video game marketing that we have now. Well, him and Sonic. We can just blame Sonic for everything. If anything's wrong with the video game industry, let's just say Sanic. That seems like a good idea. Sanic. It's all Sanic's fault. Everything is Sanic's fault. (laughs) But happy, happy birthday, Pac-Man. I'm not the biggest fan of your game. I do recognize how important it was. Uh, but it's good to know that you have endured 35 years. Uh, you're still recognizable by a vast majority of people who play video games, hardcore and casually, to this day, despite having crappy games and a crappy TV show. <laughs> and an arguably crappy General Mills cereal. Now, if you want to play Pac-Man, there's many ways you can play Pac-Man on an old video game system. Speaking of crappy... How about that Retron 5? Well, I was going to get there that you could play him on the Retron 5, but the Retron 5 has people that don't like it too much. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we don't. Well, I, I, I'm indifferent towards it, but I have my own opinions on that. We can get to that. However, there seems to be, for everyone who is looking or considering to get a Retron 5, a challenger has arrived. Mm-hmm. Two systems enter, one system leaves. I know which one I probably would prefer in this case. Uh, this system is called the Retro Freak. Not the greatest name in the world. Probably not. But sure. But there's a reason for that. It's coming out of Japan. So no Western release has been announced yet. But it's a Japanese-produced system, and it does everything the Retron 5 can do and more. So you have a system right now that can play SNES, uh, Super Famicom, Famicom, Game Boy Color, which comes with all the Game Boy stuff and Game Boy Advance, Genesis Mega Drive, PC Engine, TurboGrafx-16, and the PC Engine Super Graphics, which probably a lot of people really haven't even heard of. But can, can, can it play Tiger Electronic handhelds? Fortunately, no. Oh. I think we're all better off that way. That's a deal breaker for me. Maybe. What if it had an R-Zone attachment? Game Go com. on. Gamecom? Mm. All right, maybe I'm still on board. Okay. So, one of the problems that we had, that a lot of people had with the Retron 5, has a crappy controller. Said it sucks. It had, it, had, it had problems. Other than the fact it's 
pretty much an illegal piece of hardware. It shouldn't exist for many reasons. Sure, but uh, I mean that's largely irrelevant. Like the fact is, is they made a ton of promises about that thing, and cheaply made. It did not live up to it at all. Crappy controller. The built-in controller is terrible. I mean, I will say at the very least that it was a step up from the Retron Three, which you had to point literally directly at the console in a way that no one actually holds a controller. So it was IR. Yes, it was a yeah, it was IR. So it was wireless and the way that it communicated with the console was through IR and you had to point the top of the controller directly at the console and if you deviated from that even a little bit it would lose connection. And so you had to hold a controller in a way that no one ever naturally does. And it was terrible. And so this was an improvement, but the actual controller still sucked. Like, it was really clicky, it was laggy, and when you're playing older games like platformers and stuff like that from this, you know, the SNES or Genesis or things like that, even a fraction of a second of lag when you're trying to do a jump is detrimental. And the controller that looks like they're coming out for the Retro Freak is pretty much an SNES controller. Yeah, it's like the closest they can get to an SNES without like a copyright infringement of some kind. Right. It's a Wii Classic controller, SNES controller. It looks exactly like one of those. Now, the other cool, some other cool things it does is it has USB controllers. You can get a pretty much USB adapter for any controller nowadays. So if you want to use your original controllers, you can get a USB adapter that you take USB, hooks up. You can use your controllers in your library as long as you have the correct adapter. Right. Uh, probably not the easiest thing. I will give that to the Retron 5. It had controller ports for every single one of the systems it was compatible with. Pain in the ass to set up and, and work correctly. You Yes, and then you could use them if the system actually recognized your cartridge, which half the time it does not. It, it, I thought it did a pretty good job. Every time I've used one of those, it is the same process as just using one of the old systems where you have to pop it in and out like several times. Oh, there's no popping with the Retron 5. There's a lot of... Try to get out! Well... Pull it out with all your might. Sure, yeah. (laughs) Yanking it out. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where you think you're going to actually break it. But we digress. Point being is that this Retro Freak system, in theory, at least on paper... Looks uh, much better. Looks much better. Um, it, it looks like it's going to do everything that you would have wanted the Retron 5 to do. Our only hope is that, A, it actually does those things in a way that is smooth and user-friendly and not entirely frustrating like the Retron 5 turned out to be, and, B, that it actually makes it across the pond uh, over to us. I mean, you can still import it. I mean, you can. I mean, it doesn't. It's not going to be probably that much of an issue to import the thing if you really want it. It'll probably. It, they haven't announced a price for it yet. Uh, now, one of the coolest things about it as well is that you can take any cartridge you can play, and the ROM will dump into its memory bank. So that you is could. Pretty cool. It will save into like its hard drive. So you don't need to have the game with you in order to play it. Like, let's say you want to play Sanic. For your for your Mega Drive, nobody wants to do that. And you put it into your Retro Freak, <laughs> and the Retro Freak will take that information, put it in its hard drive, and you can take Sanic out, and you could lose Sanic, but you can still play Sanic on your Retro Freak because it's downloaded. 
Yeah, so once you dump the game ROMs onto this thing, it seems to be incredibly portable. According to the description of it, it's roughly the size of a Famicom cartridge, which... The system for, itself. Right, right. Yes. Yeah, the system. So it's relatively small. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you dumped your cart ROMs onto this thing, then you could pretty much carry it around wherever you want it and plug it into a TV. So Because it, it's two parts. You got the system itself, which is that size of a Famicom disc. Yeah. And then you have the shell, which is where you put all of your systems into. They're two separate units. Right, yeah. So you can remove the basically the, the guts of the system, which is the size of a cartridge, the smaller portion, and carry that with you. Um, the, the adapter, if you will, that allows you to physically pop the carts into their respective slots and play it on this thing, sort of like sits on top of like the the guts fit into it and allows you to do that but um i don't know it looks promising but then again and we said that about the retron 5 so that's gonna have to be a wait and see well I, just for the record i never wanted a retron 5 i did i, I viewed it because i i'm more of the original hardware kind of guy but now that i'm starting to run out of space i want kind of want something to hook up to my hdtv with hdmi which the retron which the uh, retro freak does yeah, I still don't want a Retron Five because I don't like what they did and the emula- how they did it through the emulators and stuff like that. So the Retro Freak, especially because it can do the Turbo Graphics stuff, mm-hmm. that that's what I'm more excited about. And I also love playing things on my HD TV. However, when you try to take things and shove them down my throat and remaster them for HD stuff, I'm kind of conflicted. Yeah, it it really depends. Um... At least for me, that's that's on a case-by-case basis. There are some things that they will HD remaster that I'm actually happier coming around again so that I can play them the way that my mind thinks that the game looks and not how it actually looks when you go back and play the original version. But, uh, yeah, Capcom appears to be really focusing on these HD remasters of a lot of their existing properties. Um, they've already been doing that with things like the Resident Evil HD remaster that I had mentioned earlier that I will probably end up picking up at some point. Uh, yeah, they, obviously they started out, I think the ball's really rolling here with the Resident Evil HD remaster, and I think they viewed that as a way that people... It's a market. There's a market for it. I think it was more the fact that people wanted the original Resident Evil again as opposed to the shit they're shoveling out there with the Resident Evil series. And... So I'm wondering why they just don't view it as a Resident Evil demand. They view it as an HD remaster demand. And maybe maybe that's the case. I actually think that's a problem with the industry and something you need to kind of get away from. But it, it, it can't be all terrible. Uh, they've done it with the Devil May Cry series. that HD remastered with that, I think, last gen. They're going to do another one with DMC for some odd reason. But everyone's doing that, so I can't necessarily fault Capcom. Wait, they're doing an HD remaster of DMC? Yes. Like, as in the most recently released one? Yes. Okay, see... I think they already released it, too. It's already out. (sighs) This is where the problem comes in. I don't mind an HD remaster of something that is, you know, several generations old. Like like Resident Evil, for example. If you're taking something that existed on the first PlayStation and going back and playing now is admittedly a little rough, particularly if you didn't play it the first time around, so uh, it's even harder to get into. I don't mind that. 
bringing some of those older games up to current gen hardware so that people can either experience them again in the way that, as I said, in our brain we remember it looking, even though it didn't, or exposing new people to it in a much more palatable way. I have no issue with that at all. What I do take issue with is things like that, where they are taking things from systems that they are still making games for. You know they just announced Uncharted 1, by the way. Yes, I know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That they are still making games for, like the 360 and the PS3, which, granted, they're not going to be making games for those much longer. But still, you're taking the last generation's games and already... HD remastering them for new consoles. This is nothing but a cash grab. There's no way that it can't be because there's not much of a difference there between what it looked like on a 360 versus what it'll look like on an Xbox One. At least they're not being as bad as Square Enix. When they came out with Final Fantasy X and X2 remaster on the PS3, and then less than a year later, come out with the exact same game for the PS4. But Capcom does have a unique... I think Capcom has a unique advantage here in order to make. There are a lot of games that they released for the PS2 that could benefit from an HD remaster. Or a lot of games that came out on the GameCube that haven't had an update since. Maybe they could make a Beautiful Joe HD remaster for the the current-gen systems. These systems are out now. Or maybe a God Hand uh, with some tweaks make it make it more approachable. I mean, there's it's it's a cult classic. Or even I was thinking of another game. It's just on the tip of my tongue, but it, there are Maximo, Maximo for the PS2. There are games there that they could do an HD remaster for that have kind of been lost by time that they could bring up to the more modern generation and let people play them. But yes, I am afraid they're going to do something like the Lost Planet Collection. Or uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 Alpha plus Bravo HD version for, for the PS4. <laughs> HD, Ultra, Niner, whatever. Even though it was already in HD. Uh, yeah, that's... And that's, I think, one of the bigger issues with the current generation of, of games, really. And it's Because I can't say console, because it includes PC as well. This is the generation of the rehash. I would actually venture to say that there are more rehashed games currently available right now than actual new titles or new IPs. And it's sad because you've invested this much money into a console or a decently built gaming PC and that's what you're getting. And admittedly, I think it's worse with the consoles uh, to a certain degree. But... uh, The consoles is terrible right now. Yeah, I mean, that's really all you have to choose from. And, and and like I said, if you want to bring back older games from like a couple generations ago that people didn't get a chance to play or would like to replay again with a fresh coat of paint and some, you know, quality of life improvements, awesome. I am all for that. I was really disappointed with that Silent Hill HD collection because they did nothing but royally fuck that up. It was terrible. I'm not, I haven't even looked into getting it yet. I bought it when it came out because... You're obvi- a Silent Hill fan. Right. And I was like, oh, great. An HD update of Silent Hill 2 and 3? This is awesome. And I can play it on my Xbox. Great. Because I never owned a PS2 before, so I didn't own those games. 
So being able to play it on the system that I currently had, I was like, great, this is going to be awesome. And they fucked it up so badly. There were just so many issues. Like, they, they re- first of all, they redid the voice acting, which should not have been done at all. Because, yeah, you know what? Maybe the voice acting in those games weren't necessarily the greatest. But it's the same argument that I was going to, that I did make. It's part of its charm. About fucking Star Wars and George Lucas. Like, don't fuck with something that's already been done. Like, leave the core of it alone. If you want to polish what is already there, fine. But if you go and fundamentally change things, that I have an issue with. And then on top of that, they really messed up a lot of the uh, the graphics in those. and Because apparently they were working with like bad source code. I guess something having to do with the original source code of the game was either lost they or... Lost it. Yeah, and so they were working off of some hackneyed version of the code, and it was just a total mess. Now, speaking of complete changes that people make, something that Microsoft did actually greatly benefited them. I know that segue was terrible. Hey, man, segue is a segue. <laughs> segue is a segue. Microsoft, as you all know, released the Xbox One originally with the Kinect. And it cost $500. One of many reasons why I did not buy one. And there is a lot of rumors going around that the Kinect was a spy device for the NSA and (laughs) all this crazy shit. But hey, you could say Xbox on, it would turn on. And you could say things, and I guess it would just do stuff you wouldn't want to. Anyway, Microsoft dropped the Kinect and then lowered the price down to $400. And now the price of the console is $350. And it outsold the PS4 in North America for the month of April. So it's, they've been doing really well since they got rid of that hunk of plastic that spies on you. Now let's keep in mind that when the Xbox One was announced, they made it very clear. Very clear. That the Kinect was an integral part of the system. And the, it simply would not function without it. It needed the Kinect. It, it was necessary. Well, come to find out, it's really not. To the surprise of approximately no one. Well, who who said that? What do you mean, who said what? Who said that wasn't necessary? Oh, oh, you mean recently who said that? Yeah. Know, maybe Phil Spencer. Who's, who is Phil Spencer? I mean, he's kind of a big deal. He, he might actually be uh, pretty, pretty, the Xbox pretty, pretty high up there. Like that. Yeah, he mm-hmm. might be ahead of, of a few things over at, at Microsoft. Uh, so, of course, like I said, this doesn't necessarily surprise anyone, I don't think. I, <clears throat> to a certain degree, this has to, I think, be a little embarrassing for them. To just come out and just be like, you know what? Yeah, we, you really don't. You really don't need this. All those things we said before, it's it's whatever, man. Like, it's water under the bridge, right? I don't think it's embarrassing anymore. I think it was. They had someone else, I can't remember the guy's name for the life of me, but they had someone else in charge of the Xbox division back when they announced this, this hunk, the X-Bone. But they had someone else in charge of the Xbox back then. And he was the one that was really trying to drive the Kinect. Phil Spencer took over a little later, and he's been the one that's been turning around the brand and bringing it back to what it was. So, knowing that, it's, it's not surprising Phil Spencer is coming out and really saying the things that the gamers want. I think the embarrassment is over. I think 
when they took it when they took it out of the box, that was their big hit. That was their big embarrassment. But they still tried to save face and say that it's it's still part of the Xbox like family and culture and stuff. Dude, that <laughs> is just a really watered down they're all that all that really translates to if you're if you're trying to parse their corporate speak there is that it's still a thing that we fucking did and we're gonna try to still incorporate it in some way but for the most part we're probably just gonna let it quietly die yeah the connect you know what the original connect for the 360 does in my house right now spies on you yeah, connect it collects dust and also personal information. And, and personal information. Mm-hmm. I think uh, yeah. it knows exactly what kind of women I like. At this point. It's mm-hmm. creepy. But maybe I can put place an order through it. No, I think that's illegal. <laughs> no one's listening to this, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding, honey. Well, <laughs> now that that was not weird at all. No, at all. Russianbrides.org They're not in my trunk. <clears throat> that you know of. I'm pretty sure I would know. So speaking of cheating... <laughs> <laughs> roughly 24,000 players of the zombie survival horror game H1Z1 were banned on Monday for cheating. Uh, some of them want to come back because uh, evidently they've invested a not insignificant amount of money into the microtransactions that are incorporated in this game. Or maybe buying cheating programs. <sighs> I mean, they... That is completely irrelevant. The point is that some of these people spent hundreds of dollars on, like, the item, like, airdrops that you can get in this game. Yes. And so they kind of felt like, maybe I want my account back, and felt what... I don't consider genuine remorse, uh, but <laughs> but at least they're really good at faking it. They went to YouTube. Now, for who who makes H one Z one? It used to be didn't it used well, to be S O E Sony Online Entertainment. I think they changed their name. Is, so, that, is that right? So here's the thing, though: is you're saying that <clears throat> they were going to YouTube? They weren't doing this voluntarily. First of all. So, it, it used to be SOE, right? It used to be Sony yeah. Online Entertainment. Nice. Uh, it's now Daybreak yeah. Game Company, evidently. Um, so, John Smedley, who is the company president, he is becoming known for being surprisingly candid. Uh, good. On, on Twitter, specifically. Good. And, yeah, no, that's a good thing. I'm, I'm all for transparency. Uh, and... Uh, Some of his more honest tweets, for example, said, Why do these dumbasses keep using TM cheats? Have you people not figured out? We ban you all. And uh, and that's just one example. So after this mass banning occurred, he then again took to uh, social media and put out a bit of a statement saying, Dear cheaters who got banned. Many of you are emailing me, apologizing and admitting it. Well, thank you. However, you're doing it wrong. If you want us to even consider your apology, a public YouTube apology is necessary. No personal information, please. Email me the link, and I will tweet it. Please be sure not to reveal any info. That is important. And uh, not trying to do anything other than highlight a serious issue. So, surprisingly, people actually took him up on this... 
and started going to YouTube and posting their personal video apologies for being dirty, rotten cheaters. Well, it's about time that a company did this. I, I think this is extraordinarily creative. I like the way they're doing it. I, I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that these cheaters are coming out and they're admitting it. Because one of the big reasons I stay away from online gaming experiences, especially first-person shooters, is because, well, first of all, I'm terrible at them. But second of all, there are people out there that just use hacks and make the game unplayable. I don't go online to get killed every five seconds because someone can shoot through a wall or someone has infinite health or something like that where they can cheat and they win and it, it makes it unenjoyable for me and I don't understand why you would cheat because there's really no pride in it and it, it takes away from the competitiveness of it. Yeah, I, I don't really understand the mindset either, to be honest. Like, for the player, personally, it's there's really no sense of accomplishment there. And then on top of that, you're also ruining the experience for everyone else. Okay. So I really don't see how it's beneficial. But apparently, I just don't think that way. Um, so Daybreak was accepting these apologies up until just recently, uh, and it's largely unclear how many people they will ultimately choose to unban through this little stunt that they're doing. The hammer. Uh, but Smedley actually went onto Reddit uh, recently and said out of the roughly 30,000 people that they have now banned, they have unbanned a grand total of three, one of which is probably going to get re-banned. Uh, because I guess he took his video apology to private, um, which kind of defeats the purpose of it in the first place. So really, Smedley and Daybreak are trying to make sure that people understand that there are actual consequences for cheating. And not only that, it really strengthens the brand and strengthens that game, H1Z1. Hey, if you come here, this game's legit. You're not going to get spam bots and people... I don't know, it's H1Z1, that's... that. I mean, you can get killed by other players. It's PvP, I imagine, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you're yeah. not going to get, like, slaughtered and... Well, that was, actually, that was actually part of that cheat engine that people were using. It would allow you to, like, actively avoid other players mm. so that you could avoid getting killed and losing all your shit. So... Smedley predicted that maybe four or five people out of the thousands that were banned will actually get unbanned through this little thing. But I think the more important piece of it is that it sends a real message. Now, will I play H1Z1 or am I really interested in that type of game at all? No. But I do I do have to give them props for doing that and I appreciate the, the tact that they are taking with it. Um, so if for nothing else, then you know maybe... Maybe it'll go some distance towards, you know, changing people's perceptions on whether or not cheating is a uh, a victimless crime. <laughs> it is victimless, but it is obnoxious. Mm, and that's debatable. I mean, first world problems, victims. First world victims. It's they're still victims, as yes. I said. It's still affecting Virtual everyone victims. else that those people play with. It's yes, it actively ruining the experience. It ruins the experience that you paid for with your hard-earned money. It does. Now, if you want to know some people who probably make some good cheating programs for you in terms of hacking and stuff like that, you could probably go talk to Lizard Squad. 
Not that you would want to. You don't really want to talk to them. But you could if you wanted those. We just don't recommend it. No. Uh, Lizard Squad earlier this week actually managed to cause some problems for PSN. But there's a silver lining in there with one of their little asshat members getting the full brunt of the law because he decided he likes swatting and harassing people online. For those of you who do not know what swatting is, it's the process in where you think it's a good idea that you're going to call that person's local police agency saying that they're taking hostages and they're threatening to kill people so that a, quote, SWAT team, unquote, will show up to their house, kick down their door, and attempt to arrest them. Uh, this is what this guy did. Now, from understanding what I've read, this guy was doing this to mostly women, if not all women, because they did not accept his advances online. And they didn't find that he was attracted to him. So he's a little bit of a psychopath. He is 17. Uh, not justifying it. That's okay, Yeah, that, that is not an excuse. It's not an excuse. But this he, is like the epitome of a butthurt neckbeard. Like, this is how yeah. far, like, someone with uh, sociopathic <laughs> tendencies will go. So he, he's absolutely not... He, he's not well-adjusted society. He's a malcontent, and... Well, he was also part of Lizard Squad, so this kind of gives you what kind of people these guys are that are bringing down your Xbox Live and PSN experiences. And if you're not familiar with who that is, because it's a stupid fucking name anyway, but Lizard Squad is a group of script kiddies and and self-proclaimed hackers that basically do nothing but interrupt you know, game services like PSN and try to bring down popular websites just as they would say for the lulls. And and for the record, this this kid went by internet handle of obnoxious among a few of his others, if that gives you any indication of what this kid is like. But ultimately he ended up with, I believe, what, twenty three charges? Twenty three charges pleaded guilty to all of them. So he's going to be spending some time in prison. Now, he is Canadian, so, you know, he, that probably includes, you know, spa and massages every once in a while to our <laughs> friends in Canada. Uh, at least I'm pretty sure they, they, they get to watch the Stanley Cup playoffs, at the very least. Maybe, maybe that's the punishment they don't get to. In any case, he, he did plead guilty. He is going to be going to prison, and it's good to see this for, for swatting, because that that's really a shitty way to get somebody. that That's terrible. One of these days, a SWAT team is going to get called to a house. They're going to break into a house. Someone's going to be confused, and they're going to get shot because you don't like what they're doing in whatever online game, or you don't like them, and you don't like their Twitch stream, so you call up a SWAT team, and someone's going to get shot, and someone's going to get killed. And so I'm glad that finally legal action is being taken against these people. They're putting people in harm's way or, or they're making lives uncomfortable for other people because of their online behavior. So it's good. It's, I mean, pro- it's progress. Yes, absolutely. And, like, this is a level of insanity that I cannot even comprehend. Like, the, the fact that you would actually have to be, like, cognizant of this as a possibility if you are a Twitch streamer of even the smallest amount of popularity, uh, whether it be 
streaming or fucking, I don't know, podcasting, for example, or or anything like that, if you are putting yourself out there... We're going to get swatted. I mean, maybe. I mean, if they can find my house. <laughs> if they listen to this podcast. <laughs> but, like, the fact that that is something you actually have to worry about is insane. Yeah. It's insane. And, and yes, I'm glad that there is finally some repercussions coming from this thing. I mean, this kid admitted to calling in a bomb threat in 2013 to Space Mountain in Disneyland for Christ's sake. Like, this... These are the kind of people that definitely need to be put somewhere safe away from everybody else. And, and not allowed to breed. Or have access to a computer ever again. <laughs> or human beings. So there's a game called Hell Raid. That I have not heard of, but these are from the developers of Dying Light, right? Yeah, so uh, Techland, uh, who are, in fact, the developers of the game Dying Light, which is basically the sequel to Dead Island that everybody kind of wanted that wasn't actually Dead Island 2. Um, <clears throat> they were working on a game called Hell Raid, which, uh, for the most part, is... A first-person, medieval, hack-and-slash sort of adventure, dungeon-crawling type thing. Um, they had shown some gameplay footage and, and screens of this uh, over the past, uh, I believe, year or two. Um, and at least for me, it looked pretty cool. Like, I was kind of into it. Uh, I was looking forward to seeing how it turned out. Unfortunately, this week... They uh, posted an official statement that the development of the game is more or less indefinitely on hold. So, their official statement goes as such. Dear Hellraid fans, we would like to officially announce that our Dark Fantasy FPP game, um, and I'm going to say right now I actually don't know what FPP... First Person Parkour? I, uh, I don't think it's parkour. I, I don't think course. it's parkour, no. That's, um, that, w- that would be Mirror's Edge. Yeah. Well, uh, Dying Light had a little bit of it. Uh, that's true. This, however, I'm pretty sure does it's not. probably not parkour. But anyway, our Dark Fantasy FPP game, Hell Raid, will not be released this year as previously planned, and the development of the game has been put on hold. Uh, in recent months, we conducted an internal analysis and came to the conclusion that Hell Raid, in its current shape and form, is not meeting our expectations for this project. Therefore... We decided the best course of action would be to send it back to the drawing board and invent our dark fantasy title anew. In the meantime, we will consolidate our development resources and focus on further expansion of our Dying Light franchise. There's your answer. That really, I think, is the answer. And so while I'm disappointed that this isn't going to come out this year because, as I said, it did pique my interest, I have a hard time being disappointed when a developer goes back to the drawing board when they feel that something is not right because I appreciate that. Like, I respect the fact that they are able to take a step back and say, hey, this is not what we thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Let's actually take the time to reassess this and maybe come up with a better product, which is a big part of why I like Blizzard so much because they're not afraid to do that and they have done it in the past. And probably for the better because everything they release... Well, yeah. not everything, but almost everything they release is gold. Yeah, and that that's actually probably an, another topic for another day because I feel like they're actually slipping recently, but that's 
that's something else. <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean, so on one hand, I appreciate that a developer will do this. On the other hand, the way that this official statement is worded, this might not actually materialize into anything. Um, they're leaving it very open-ended. Well, from what I've seen from this this development studio, who, who's developed this again? Techland. Techland. Yeah. Techland's not a big developer, are they? From what uh, I've seen from from what I've seen from Dying Light, the the the, the graphics of Dying Light. I mean, it lo- doesn't look bad, but it, it looks like it's developed by a development studio that's not gigantic. It doesn't have the huge amount of polish you probably expect from an EA or an Activision or a Nintendo funded project. It looks a little bit lower than that. I mean, it's not yeah. like the doldrums of the indie development scene. No. But it's not quite up to the same levels as your AAA titles. They're kind of in between. Right? They're, they're one of your mid-levels. Yeah, I think they might be more of that mid-tier development category that you were talking about last week. Right, that um, the, the we need, in the, I believe we need in the video game industry. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I think part of this might be because I really don't think that Dying Light did as well as they hoped it would. Or it did better than they thought it would and they wanted to, mm. they want to devote resources towards making more expansions of Dying Light. That is let's, possible. Let, let's, let's try and milk the cow for as much as it's worth before we move on to the next thing. That is possible from what I have seen and I could be entirely wrong about this but I, I don't I, I don't think it performed as well as they thought it was going to because for the most part Dying Light kind of like came out, people talked about it for a week, and I have not heard anything about it since then. So, it could really go either way. Well, Dying Light was, I mean, up until, like, April... I know April 1st, they had some patches that came out for it that, that kind of reinvigorated the base. Yeah. Throughout that fan base. But even looking at, like, the Hell Raid, the, the, the website they're looking at right now, kind of like the character models, it's not the level, like, Shadows of Mordor. Uh, no. So I'm thinking no. to myself, okay... This is a mid-level development team that kind of struck a, that that's been successful, and you might be right. They weren't as successful with uh, they weren't as successful with Dying Light as they thought they would be, but they were successful enough to know that they could probably make some money off some like expansions in in the form of DLC. So they want to devote some time to Dying Light, get some more product out there. But if they're not a huge team, that's going to take away from Hellray. And if they're not happy with Hell Raid is going, or they want to retool some stuff, but they still want to focus on some DLC for Dying Light, they're going to have to push it back a little bit. Oh, wow, that actually looks a lot better than the character model they had on their site. Yeah, so we're... we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're I'm, I'm showing Chris some of the screenshots that they posted because I, I wanted to kind of prove him wrong. but <laughs> And he did. Um, but yeah, the game itself actually looks really good considering um and some my crappy laptop screen so that's very impressive yeah i mean a lot of the in-game screenshots that they've posted on the official website look really nice um but you know it's like i said it's unfortunate i actually do hope that they end up retooling it in whatever way they wanted to and that it does end up coming out because i i kind of wanted this i thought it looked pretty cool all right, so the future of video gaming is virtual reality, right, Shane? I know you want me to say yes, but then I also I know that you. Then <laughs> I also know that you I, will I really say no. I, I I think it's not. Like I said before, I don't think it actually will be. Yeah, I think a lot of people think that it is. 
I think it would be cool if it was. I, it would be nice if it was. Realistically, I don't think it will be. No. For many reasons, mostly because I don't think a lot of people want to have a headset on all the time. But oh, Yeah, because 3D went over so well. Uh, 3D TVs, right? That's what everyone's looking for right now, right? That was the future of TV five years ago. Yeah, because everyone wants to sit on their couch with 3D glasses on. That's awesome. Yeah. But, you know, who thinks that VR, in addition to a lot of other people, is the future of gaming? Sony. That's right. Sony thinks it is. Yeah, so Sony's Morpheus hardware, which is a direct competitor to the Oculus Rift, and a couple other things that are currently uh, on its way to market. Uh, they've announced this week that they are creating a development studio in the UK specifically for the de- development of uh, Morpheus VR games. High quality VR games, to be specific, according to their statement. So this is really just another step in that direction that signifies that a lot of the major players in the industry are viewing this as a very serious uh, step in the direction of the future. Whether or not it pans out that way, I don't know. I just I just don't think it will be for a lot of the things we were talking about before uh, with 3D TVs like right before this. Look, everyone was in the 3D TVs at the time. Everyone's in the 3D tech. You know, Xbox was talking about having 3D capability. Microsoft with 3D capabilities for their video games. So was Sony. Every single TV developer in the planet was making 3D TVs. They still are, but no one really talks about it as much. No, no one's buying them. Well, no one's buying because they cost more than a regular one, with the same specs, does the same shit, and I, I kind of see VR doing this as well. They have never really gone away from a platform where you turn something on and you play with it or you utilize it remotely in some cases or with a remote in your hand. Basic interface, I'm sitting on my couch, I have a controller in my hand, and I'm watching it normally, and I have, I'm have i cognizant of everything around me. Well, be that as it may, uh, Sony, along with several other big players in the industry, uh, tend to disagree with you. Well, good, they can disagree with me. They disagree with me on 3D TVs too. <laughs> So, go ahead. Disagree with me. But, according to Sony PlayStation's jobs website, uh, the number of job listings that they've posted very recently offer an exciting and rare opportunity to join an ambitious new studio to create original games exclusively for Project Morpheus, PlayStation's new VR platform. Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> to have that studio closed down in five years... I mean that that might be possible, but in the meantime, it seems that they see they're seeing it as something that they really need to be investing a lot into. Um, of course, directly competing with Oculus VR, who this week uh, made the very clear statement that they will not be regulating the content that is developed for their system, in so much as porn. So much porn. Porn. And we all knew that this was coming, no pun intended. <laughs> I mean... Does this, this topic get a rise out of you? <laughs> Giggity. Uh, so, <clears throat> I mean, it was already happening, really. I mean, with the dev kits for the Oculus Rift, there was already 
porn stuff that was coming out. So it's this is a surprise to absolutely no one. I know that there is probably a not insignificant portion of people that will say that this is wrong, that they should be regulating it uh, and curating what goes onto their system, much in the way that Apple does for uh, you know the iTunes Store or something like that. I tend to disagree because this is not for a couple of reasons. One, I think from a business standpoint, this makes sense because, listen, they know what this thing is. They know what it's capable of. Why in the world would they want to restrict the content that is going to be available for their system? That's basically taking money out of their pocket. Can you imagine all the USB attachments that are going to be released? Yes. Yes, that will be a thing that happens. It's going to be a thing. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Um, so they would be... I can't wait <laughs> to hear about them. Yes, of course. Just to see what they're going From to be like purely and what they do. academic standpoint. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, they, they, would be, they would be stupid to, to turn this down. I mean, it, you know, this goes back to the VHS versus Betamax thing, where in a large part the reason that VHS became the dominant platform was because of porn. Um, a lot of people don't want to admit that, but... Well, hey, hey, look, if you're VR, you have to find a way to penetrate the market. And, oh God. look, the competition <laughs> is going to be stiff, and it's going to be hard to put yourself in front of everybody else. Uh, so, so you know what? Puns. Sometimes you just got to jump in the water and get a little wet and take care of business. You know, just jump in there, get balls deep. <laughs> and, and take care of what you gotta take care of and announce that you don't give a shit if you're gonna be showing porn or not because you know what I ran out of stupid puns for myself to I say. am so there's, happy there's, there's, there's plenty more I could probably do that had but to you know what? at some point I'm not gonna be that much of a dick to you oh, nope there's one more oh I'm sorry great you can't handle them are we done now maybe Is that, okay great awesome this whole entire conversation has been tainted <laughs> <laughs> We are nothing if not a mature podcast. Very, very mature. So, uh, this is interesting, I mean, for a variety of reasons, but I'm curious to see how the other VR headset manufacturers, like, respond to this. Because as far as I'm aware, because this is relatively recent, I don't believe there's been any official statements from any of the other manufacturers as of yet. But I don't know. I mean, with them setting a precedent like this, I would feel that it would be hard for... Oh, God, now even I'm doing it. Ha-ha! Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not just thinking it's about it. It's inescapable! Uh, it would be difficult for them to not follow suit, right? I mean, because that... you're As I said, they're, they would be cutting out a potentially large portion of their market, right? Well, Sony, so, Sony's not, Sony's not going to do it. Sony won't do it because the, the main reason that Morpheus is going to exist is probably to link up with the PS4. They're not going to go for porn because it's going to link with the PS4. Look at the catastrophe they had with the iToy and the, and the camera that they released with the uh, with that like uh, that home station, whatever it is, where you have that camera and you can videotape yourself in the living room and people are showing porn of themselves, like amateur porn over PS4. And yeah. how quickly, it was like the playroom. And they shut that down. They, they didn't want that. Because the PS4 is still a video game system and it's still heavily regulated, which is why you still will not see like adult-only games on the PS4. 
Microsoft might, but it's not going to allow anything through the Xbox family of consoles or systems. Or Xbox brand. But it might only because it will hook up to a PC, and a PC is open market. So they would be stupid to tell people who are making porn and making these videos that it can't be compatible with it when hooked up to that kind of media format. I just don't see... If you hook yourself up to a PC like the Oculus Rift is trying to do, and whatever Valve is... Valve is probably going to allow it too. Um, Microsoft won't for whatever happens on the PC. But they will probably limit it if it comes out with an Xbox equivalent. And I see Sony not allowing it with the Morpheus. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I suppose that's true. And I guess one of the differentiating factors there is that those headsets ostensibly are more geared towards a gaming experience where at this point, the Oculus, particularly having been bought by Facebook, they're really looking for larger opportunities to expand the media that is going to be on the Oculus. Like, they want to take it in different directions than just gaming. They want to include it in virtual tourism, for example. Um, something like that. Uh, putting it in... Oh, that's definitely tourism. Uh, there, It's a form of tourism, sure. I guess so. Women of the world. That'd be the first porn <laughs> made by Facebook. Uh, people of Walmart. The, the Oculus porn. <laughs> the worst ever. <laughs> Let's go to Thailand. Uh, so many surprise dicks. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, should you want to run your pornography on your Oculus Rift, you now know what sort of uh, computer specs you're probably going to need for that thing. Uh, this week, they officially released the recommended tech specs for the Oculus Rift. And honestly, it's not that bad. It's not as hefty as I thought it would be, really. What they're recommending for this thing, if you want to run it connected to your PC, uh, you should have an NVIDIA GTX 970 or an AMD 290 uh, or an equivalent card, an Intel i5 4590 or equivalent, and at least 8 gigs of RAM. I actually don't think that's asking that much, with the exception of maybe the video card, but... Um, the eight gigs of RAM is for a gaming rig. It's not much for your, but for your typical over-the-counter kind of computer, I mean that that kind of comes as coming standard. Yeah. But that's not. It's not like typical, like because most, most be people standard. might want to get four or four or six gigs. I mean, it might not be standard so much yet, but memory is also so inexpensive now that it's not. It's, getting, yeah. it's not prohibitive. Um, the biggest piece of that is the graphics card like that would be the most cost prohibitive part of that and even that's not really that bad mm-hmm. um, of course you know the issues with a VR headset like the Oculus Rift is normally you'd be concerned with whether or not you can run a game at you know 30 or ideally 60 frames per second at whatever native resolution your computer runs at so that it runs smoothly and all that, but because the Rift functions in a way that it is essentially projecting two identical uh, images at the same time to you know simulate the 3D in the headset, you effectively double the amount of hardware capacity that you need, which I guess is part of why I'm a little surprised that these recommended specs are not as high as I thought they would be. 
You th- I mean, at least I think when this thing comes out, it's going to be ideal that you have a quad core processor. I mean, yeah, and well, at, at least again, and this might be biased because because it's me, but I don't feel like that's a huge ask, especially now. Now it's not. Quad core processors have been around for quite a while. Like, there's no reason. Like, it. Listen, if you're that interested in the Oculus Rift, there's really no reason that you either shouldn't already have one or are okay with picking one up. Like I've had a quad core for years now, but you've all, you're also a PC gamer. But I understand. Well, right. I, I, what I understand. Mean. It's a biased yeah. opinion, but still. Like, I mean, if you're not if you're not a PC gamer, you're probably not interested in the Oculus Rift anyway. At least not for now. Like at least if, not for now. If they're gonna try to make this thing more mainstream. Now that that is also one thing to note, though, is that these tech specs they made a point of saying that if you have at least these recommended specs now that hardware will last you and this is i think a pretty big claim but they're saying that this will last you the life of the Oculus Rift that they are not intending on you know increasing its requirements over the life of it here is the one thing i i think will be a, a hang up for people who currently have their computers like if the the, the market facebook typically goes goes after um considering that they own this thing the thing I'm looking at is the two USB 3.0 ports. The yeah. computer I got two years ago doesn't have 3.0. doesn't have USB 3.0. It's not a bad computer. I can still play pretty decent games on there. It's not top-line rig by any stretch of the imagination. But it doesn't have 3.0 ports. So you got to think mom and pop who are buying their $200 computer and Facebook... If Facebook's buying something, they're going to want to go mainstream. You got to look at these specs. Facebook doesn't want a gaming thing. They want something that everyone is going to want and and consume. These are specs that you say aren't bad from a gaming perspective, but you being no. more knowledgeable about gaming, how do these stack? How do these uh, stats and requirements stack up against, you know, mom and pop buying your three hundred dollar e machine? Well, your $300 e-machine will not run this thing anyway. Isn't like, that what Facebook wants, though? Or would want, ideally, knowing ideally, what the business model of what we've seen from Facebook? Ideally, yes. But, I mean, also, a $300 e-machine laptop wouldn't run a whole hell of a lot anyway. Like, But, uh, yes. And one of the problems that they're already seeing with this is that, in addition to the USB 3.0 ports, which a lot of systems still don't include by default... Um, is the HDMI video output that they're requiring for it, and I won't go into a lot of the technical details that they go into here, but suffice it to say that that requirement, as of right now, the GPUs that are built into laptops currently, by and large, just will not support that requirement at all. And that is a recognized issue by Oculus. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to rectify that or if it's just going to be a matter of waiting until things catch up to that or you just won't be able to run an Oculus Rift off your laptop, which you're right, is going to be a problem for them because you're not... Well, laptops, they I don't think they need to worry about laptops. They need to worry about... its I mean, yeah, but you're talking about the casual Facebook market that they so ideally you need to worry like about to get. Tablets. Well, that is that's an entirely different thing. Like that's their market. 
That's Facebook's market. Not the don't you're thinking Oculus Rift. We're yes. thinking we're thinking this as a VR. We're thinking we're thinking VR as something that is is somewhat exclusive to gaming. When I think VR and I look at the fact that Facebook has bought Oculus, they have brought it into an entirely different market that I don't think they should necessarily bring it into first, but I understand why they want to bring it there. So if Facebook is looking to bring the Oculus Rift to the masses, because this is Facebook with all its users and they want to continue their brand and not everyone out there is is a gamer like you and me. In fact, most of the general world is not. And that's who they want to take their market to. They need to look for the like lowest specs they can possibly get while providing the highest quality experience. I mean, that's great, but that's also a huge like pie-in-the-sky sort of assessment. Because if you're saying that they should be able to hook up a virtual reality headset to someone's fucking iPad, that's... Sure, that would be great. That's not going to happen. At least not... Not in, now. Not in, not in the near future at all. Because... The, the processing requirements for that headset, in addition to even just the the connectors, like just the way that you even hook that. I mean, you would have to be able to, what, plug it into an iPad through a USB port? Probably mini USB. Sure, but that's not going to happen. Not Well, not as we know it now. No, not, not as all. we know it now. And you, I know you know more about computer programming than I do. I'm not thinking about the the, the, the reality. I'm thinking about <laughs> no, no. No, I'm not thinking no, reality not. at all. I'll admit, I'll completely admit that I'm not thinking about the reality. But what I am thinking about is if I bought a piece of tech for two billion two billion with a B yeah. dollars. Yeah. I bought this piece of tech for two billion dollars, and my entire market strategy is in t- uh, I sign up people to go on social media for something free so they can post pictures and talk to each other and keep in contact with each other. And if I buy something for $2 billion, I'm going to expect this piece of tech to be an extension of that brand. At some point, what they're putting out there and saying these are the requirements, that's not an extension of my brand, if my brand is to do that. No, but unfortunately, that's the current reality of that system. Like, the amount of hardware that is required to make that a smooth experience you cannot get in then they're not going to get a return on their investment and this thing's going to die a quick death you might be right i mean i personally didn't think that it was a good idea that facebook bought it in the first place no but here we are because now they're gonna why would i get an oculus rift when i have facetime (laughs) well you see what what i mean it's like i mean Okay, I guess. And it's not really the same thing at all. But uh, your Facebook, you advertise to everybody. Yeah. Well, if you're the if you're thinking what everyone would want to riff for, everybody would want to riff for. What would you try to sell them on? As far as what? Like what you can use an Oculus Rift to right. do? Why what would you what would your mother want to riff for? Probably that virtual tourism stuff I was talking about. Like I can't afford to fly to Fiji, but I can totally pretend I'm there with this Oculus Rift. Like, that's the sort of crap that I'm thinking that they would want to do. Based off the specs on that rig, would she be willing to spend the money for that rig, too, so she can just travel to Fiji? No. With that, for the, the cost of that rig and maintaining an internet connection and the Oculus Rift, you could at least buy one round-trip ticket to Fiji. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you on that point. I'm right. just saying that, like... 
I, I think we're agreeing for the most part. We're just having roundabout arguments on how to get there. That it's a bad investment, I think, on Facebook's behalf, and that they're not going to reach their demographic with this thing because of the reality of the technology that is required to actually make that fucking thing run. So they're at an impasse right now, and even just based on their official statement from Oculus regarding these tech specs, they know that. They've come out and said it, that no laptop right now will run the Oculus. It just will not. That already cuts out a giant segment of their potential user base right there. So whether or not you know this buyout from Facebook and the way that they're handling it ends up being the death knell for this thing before it even gets a chance, I don't know. It's a possibility. Well, this, I think this is going long the tooth. This is another one of those things we can kind of push and make a main topic. Mm-hmm. I think we, there's plenty of things on the table here because we've been going back and forth with this. But I think it's been great points. But what's not such a great point is making a Grand Theft Auto drama show on the BBC. This is a bad idea because if you're going to do it, you kind of want the involvement of the studio who makes the game. Because Rockstar has and Take-Two have decided to get into a lawsuit with the BBC over this Grand Theft Auto drama, which has already had legal trouble to begin with. Yeah, so it, it's it's sort of like a... I don't want to say a documentary, but it, it's kind of like the equivalent of the Facebook movie in, in a lot of ways, where it's called Game Changer, and BBC is producing it uh, as a... Like an insight into uh, the development that went into the Grand Theft Auto series. It's it's a dramatic, it's a dramatization of, you know, how that came to be and, and all of that. And they've got some fairly significant names involved with it. Um, Daniel Radcliffe is a part of it, for one. Um, and if you if you don't know who that is for whatever reason, it's that's Harry Potter. Um, oh, you didn't know either. Uh, I forgot. It just, yeah. just kind of just went over my head for a second. Now you, might, yeah, I know who he is. Uh, but yeah, so the BBC kind of like has just sort of gone off and done this thing, mostly without Rockstar or Take Two's involvement whatsoever. And they have so Take Two's been or ha- at least has suggested they've been in talks with the BBC about this thing on several occasions, um, but at this point have come out and said that the holders of the trademarks that are referenced in that film uh, specifically uh, you know Rockstar and Take Two have had absolutely no involvement in that project and hence we have a lawsuit. And this isn't the first time they've, they've had difficulties with this project from what I've, I've seen in the past. I know we don't have this article up um, but I understand that when they're making this they they kind of skipped over everyone who was kind of involved in the first two games for the PlayStation, uh, Grand Theft Auto and Grand Theft Auto 2, and they kind of started with three. Like, the original developers of one and two were upset over the fact that they just skipped the three and ignored uh, everything that the first two games kind of accomplished in, in setting up the legacy that Grand Theft Auto is, has made for itself. Right. In terms of what's going on in with this stuff, look, Grand Theft Auto is a phenomenon. People are going to try and do what they can with the brand, uh, with with the recognizability of it, try to make money off of it. It's probably a good idea if you contact the people who make the game 
before you start making anything involved with the game? I mean, you would think. I mean, I feel like if they've gone so far as to, you know, involve these kind of people like Daniel Radcliffe and and Bill Paxton also is a part of this thing. So you've got some relatively big name actors involved in this thing and without the actual backing of the trademark holders, that seems like a really weird way to approach this thing. Don't you love lawsuits? No. I not really, really. I, I really don't. And uh, apparently the Oculus doesn't either, because they are facing yet another one. Jumping back to the Oculus. Yeah. Um, so... You could say we're swinging with it. Oh, God. Why are we still on Talking the porn. puns? On, just... Uh, because Oculus loves porn. Anyway, talking... You know, going back to these lawsuits, as we all know, look, Nintendo... If you pay attention to video game news, Nintendo goes through like three lawsuits a year because they're successful. Their tech is mostly successful. But the Oculus Rift, as we all know, has been very successful. Got a lot of money through Kickstarter. Got a lot of money through Facebook. So obviously, what's going to start happening? People are going to start filing lawsuits. I mean, that will tend to happen with anybody that is significantly popular enough. But I feel like this one actually has some real legitimacy to it. So the... Rift creator Palmer Lucky, which is quite the name, uh, <clears throat> is really the subject of this lawsuit. So, per the report, uh, the lawsuit accuses Lucky of taking confidential information that he learned while working with another company and passing it off as his own. Now, this company in question is Total Recall Technologies, which is a great name, by the way. Um, <laughs> three boobs. Uh, that's why yeah. they don't like porn, because three, that's 3D. It, it makes two. Just please stop. No. <laughs> uh, so they're based out of Hawaii, and uh, in their filing, they claim that they hired Lucky in 2011 to create a prototype virtual reality headset. And he even signed a confidentiality agreement with them, uh, again, allegedly, according to the filing. Uh, and so, throughout the latter half of 2011 and into 2012, Lucky received feedback and information to improve the design of the display. Um, however, he ended up taking this information that he learned from this partnership with Total Recall uh, and launched his own Kickstarter campaign for a head-mounted display that would become to known as the Oculus Rift. So, this is actually kind of a really big deal... Because if that's the case, then this could be significantly problematic, I think, for the Oculus Rift. I mean, I suppose there's a possibility they could just settle it out of court and then it just kind of gets swept under the rug. But Like most of these patent problems. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's going to be a not insignificant amount of money for them to have to do that. Well, if he took the same tech and they're using the same tech, yes. If he took... Similar but changed tech. I don't know the laws. Hopefully that's what he did. He, he altered tech, improved it, because I don't think there's anything wrong about taking existing tech, making some tweaks to it, and then improving it, making it slightly altered. I think you can do that. I think the entire tech industry is kind of based off that entire foundation. I mean, it, it is, but that's also one of the bigger issues with software patents right now is that they are, in comparison to more traditional patents of actual physical, like, technology, like a 
stapler, for example. Um, software patents tend to be really, really vague. So there is a possibility that even if he took something existing and then like improved upon it, like maybe you would do with a stapler again, while the patent for a stapler is very, very specific in how a mechanical object works, the patent owner for something that is software related like this is casts a much wider net. So they have a lot more leeway in what they can claim is theirs. And that, again, as I said, is actually a larger issue with the patent system, um, which in and of itself is probably another topic on its own. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, It's I'm very skeptical when it comes to these lawsuits, when you have a successful piece of tech. Um, well, and you should be, because that's... I'm I mean, very, very skeptical. There are patent trolls out there that that yeah. is how they make their money. They're a shell corporation that doesn't actually produce anything of value, and they exist solely to buy patents and then sue people when they make something that vaguely resembles a patent they happen to buy. It's bullshit. It's but just, I mean, look how many look how many patents were, you know, how many lawsuits the DS had and the Wii had and... Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Sony's felt its brunt of patents as well. Um, you just don't hear about it. I know Xbox, Microsoft has faced tons of them with their success. You're going to face, yeah. you're going to face them. Uh, so I'm skeptical for now, but yeah, I mean, you, like you said... It, 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 if that's the case, if everything went down like they said that did, Oculus can be in a little bit of trouble. Um, it's going to take a while for that. I'm, I'm sure that this company, if this actually gets released next year or whenever it gets actually comes out, that when it, the company's going to ask for a cease and desist and, and then to not have the product come out, it'll probably get denied and delayed again. Speaking of things that are coming out, shifting gears slightly, Fantastic Four. Mm. There's yet another Fantastic Four movie. Well, they're ramping up. We're getting closer. Oh, another movie. I thought you were talking about another trailer. I mean, yes, but... (laughs) (laughs) I I jumped your thought process. Yeah, you really did. Yeah, I did. Um, Yeah, so there's yet another Fantastic Four movie in the works, and this week they released the third official trailer for it. I, I don't know about you. I, generally speaking, have really enjoyed everything that Marvel has put out in the past several years. They've been really on a roll. I just don't like the Fantastic Four. I don't. And and on top of that, so far, the movies that they've put out... Have, mediocre best? That for is... For Fantastic Four? That mediocre is, yeah, at best. That's the first being, one that's was okay. generous. The first one was okay. Yeah, it was okay. Know. It was whatever, man. It was like, like, it was whatever. Now, here's the thing with this Fantastic Four. It's not Marvel. I mean, it's a Marvel property. Yeah. But it's not Marvel. It's 20th Century Fox, just like the X-Men movies are, just like the next Deadpool movie would be. Well, it's not Marvel Studios. It's not Marvel Studios. Is what you're saying. Marvel has pretty much tried to do everything they can to kind of make the Fantastic Four look bad at this point as well. They're trying to separate themselves from the Fantastic Four until they get their rights back. They want the rights back to the Fantastic Four. As you well may know, the Fantastic Four was one of Stan Lee's original big accomplishments. That was like the the comic that put Marvel on the map originally. 
in addition to the X-Men. It was the Fantastic Four, and it was the X-Men. And those were the two comic books that really got Marvel on a roll. Now, when I look at the, the trailers for it, a lot of the comic book guys are really bitching about what it's looking like. There are a lot of problems. If you're a comic book purist, I know a little bit about the comic books myself, uh, you're going to not be happy about this movie. You're just not. There's a lot of bitching about that the Human Torch is black and his dad is black and his sister is adopted and she's a different race and there's, there's the grumblings about that. I mean, I even saw people picking apart how the thing looks. It's the thing looks like the thing has always looked. Yeah, I understand. Look, there are a bunch of kids going into space as opposed to, you know, Mr. Fantastic. I don't know his name off the top of my head. I want to say it's Reed Richards. Reed Richards. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Like, he's the engineer that takes them into space that makes them change into what they are. They're doing another origin story. Surprise, surprise. Uh, and they're all kids being launched into space by the Human Torch's dad. And Doctor Doom, I guess the rumors were, and I haven't seen anything to it. He really is in the movies. He looks badass. He looks badass. Doom always looks badass, and that is the only cool thing about the Fantastic Four. But they have a villain that is way cooler than that comic deserves. But, like, originally Doctor Doom was supposed to be an internet blogger, or vlogger, or something like that, from from original descriptions. But the trailers, however... Uh, the trailer for the Fantastic Four movies, the trailers, if you forget they're Fantastic Four movies, they look fine. Like, the comic book nerds, the, the, if you ignore them and you just want to go see a good movie, it looks like this movie's going to be, it's going to be okay. As long as you don't, like, are all obsessed with details about how they relate to its, to its source material. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I am i don't know if this is something that I will go see in a theater. I will probably watch it at some point. But like I said, I just personally really don't have any love for the Fantastic Four. I've never thought that they were that great as superheroes to begin with. And that's why I said that I think Doctor Doom is actually a way cooler villain. Than You've been saved by Stretch Armstrong! Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think that villain actually deserves a much better... Uh, group of superheroes oh, come to on. battle the, the human torch them. is pretty badass I mean I guess I don't know the whatever. thing is pretty badass I think it's just I think it's dated for some reason I don't know I don't know what it is man maybe it's the fucking jumpsuits I don't know like <laughs> the I invisible just, woman's pretty the only the only one of them that I, I, that I hate and I can't stand is Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards because mm. he's he, he stretch Armstrong there's nothing cool about that and speaking of disappointing trailers... Hey, I, I disagree with you on this one. Really? I do. Wow. I disagree with you. Alright, well, there's this video game movie coming out soon called Pixels by Adam Sandler um, that just had a new trailer released this week, and the general gist of this movie is that I guess we... We as humans send into space like a record of our accomplishments as a as a race, and it includes video games like Pac-Man and, and all of that, Space Invaders. And apparently these things actually exist somewhere in space, and they take it as an insult and then come and attack us. So there's like literally a huge Pac-Man trying to like eat New York and because that's what an advanced civilization would do the only thing they take away from us is our primitive video games yes of course 
But I, <clears throat> there are so many reasons why I don't like this. One of which actually just being that it's an Adam Sandler joint. Because I enjoyed his shit like 20 years ago. Like Happy Madison stuff. Like Billy Madison, I liked. Um, there was a number of a few things that he did past that that were pretty okay. But everything in recent memory really has just been like these huge cash-in reasons for him to include as many product placements in a movie as possible and also make sure that the rest of his friends still have jobs. Uh, yeah, his I haven't seen an Adam Sandler movie since Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. Which yeah. wasn't really a comedy. No. He saw it. it was, he, and he did very well in that movie. Yeah. He, he was he did a terrific job, but I, I really haven't watched I haven't watched any of the grown ups movies I haven't watched any of his little uh, entourage movies either I haven't seen anything from Kevin James, but that's uh, a, right because that's it's, the thing. it's extremely sophomoric and shitty exactly and uh, you know okay you can make the argument that shit like Billy Madison was also pretty sophomoric and because that's his humor sure and this could just be biased it could be nostalgia it could be rose-colored glasses. I don't know. But whatever it is, I know for a fact I could go back and watch, like, Billy Madison right now and still enjoy it. But I could not go and watch, like, Grown Ups and enjoy any part of that movie at all. Well, Click was good. Did you see Click? I did, and that was also, like, the weirdest, like, 180 a movie could take because... I enjoyed it. No, I mean, I didn't dislike it. It was just, like, really jarring how that actually turned out. But, um... But back to Pixels. Yeah, I don't know, man. It does have Peter Dinklage. Uh, it does, but so does, like... What the fuck was that movie? Night Knights of Badassery or Badassdom or whatever that yeah, was. And, and Destiny, the video game. And it, Peter Dinklage. Yeah, so as much as I like... Peter Dinklage, mostly for Game of Thrones at this point. Which he is fantastic in. Which he is. I feel like some of the other choices that he's made, as far as what he involves himself in for projects, for money, maybe not the best. Like, I know for a fact that he's got some serious acting chops because Tyrion Lannister is an amazing character. And then you go and see stuff like Pixels, or... Uh, well, we haven't seen Pixels yet. Dude, I've seen enough. I have I I already have. I I look at I I watch that trailer. I watch these trailers. I think that the, this third trailer actually has me interested in, in seeing this. What and not because what makes I, you interested in because it? Because it looks fun. It looks because yeah. that isn't that the point of what video games are supposed to be? It's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to take itself seriously. The whole entire sophomore, especially games during that they're basing this off off of from this era. I don't Look want at, it to take itself seriously. I just don't think that Adam Sandler and company are the right people to handle that. Well, who who would who would be the right people to handle this? Broken Lizard. Broken Lizard. Did they act, yeah, that they act, okay. See, there you go. <laughs> okay, but at the same time, Adam Sandler is a terrible choice because I'm looking at this and they're not taking this the, the source material. Like necessarily seriously, I I, I kind of love it for that. I'm I'm seeing like Pac Man like doing okay. The Pac Man stuff is is. Pac-Man. I think this is exactly what they're trying to do, and I think you're falling right into it. Is I am falling right is into it. They're taking all of these like old classic but games, you, you and they're just remember, like, 
Look at this cool thing we're trying to do with it, man. I don't have any nostalgia, real nostalgia for these video games because these came out before my time. Sure. But I understand, like, I think my mentality is I live in a video game era where everything is taken so seriously. Where everything is taken, like, every single game has to have this massive involved plot and that's what makes our game of the years nowadays is how involved and deep their plots are. And it's talking about games like has uh, uh, Arkanoid and Pac-Man and Space Invaders and Galaga and Donkey Kong. Back when games were just jump over a fucking barrel and get high scores. Like you're talking about all the entire point was try to live as long as you can on one quarter. And these are ridiculous characters because we have to make them completely outlandish so you can kind of understand what they are for the limited graphics that we have. And they have to be fun. Because we can't tell you a story. Okay. And it's... It, it's I know I'm kind of going off on a much... Somewhat of a tangent here. Sure. But when I look at a movie that doesn't take these video games seriously, it looks like they're having fun. And I'm looking at it and like, wow, this is like completely outlandish, stupid, and ridiculous. But at the same time, it looks fun. If I just sit back and I turn my mind off, which is pretty much what you do with all these Adam Sandler movies, but at least, yeah, I understand the material and is I can get some enjoyment out of it as long as they don't try to make it, like, stupid. And it doesn't look like they're trying to really make any of this stuff stupid. I've seen much worse efforts done by far more respected YouTubers than what they're putting out in this movie. Listen, I'm, I'm generally pretty like, non-judgmental about a lot of media. Like, I'm the one that can go and see a movie with, like, a group of friends, and I will be the one that, by and large, enjoyed it, and I will have to sit there and then listen to my other friends pick it apart for why they didn't like it. So usually, I'm, I'm pretty easygoing as far as that's concerned. I want to like this for a lot of the reasons that you said. If it's just a fun movie that also hits all of those sort of like nostalgia points with a lot of these old games and it's a good time, then I'll be happy with it, sure. I'm just concerned that it's going to follow suit with a lot of what Adam Sandler's work has been for quite some time now, which is just like painfully unfunny. What if, what, what if you actually get to hear Kubert talk? Kubert was in there. He was. Yeah. Like, now you get to hear him say, fuck. Instead of that, like, the garble above his head. Well, you, you probably you don't hear that. You are not selling this to I'm not me selling, no, I'm not. <laughs> that is not helping. If it's just stupid fun, awesome. I am, I am all for stupid fun. I mean, you can make the argument very clearly that the new Mad Max movie is, by and large, stupid fun. Like, there's... There's no plot to speak of, really. Um, it's a very thin plot to facilitate two hours of crazy, like, wasteland action with fire and a dude with a guitar that also shoots fire for no reason other than being awesome. And But that was a lot of fun, and I really liked that movie. So stupid fun, great. I'm totally on board with that. If this ends up being another Adam Sandler movie where the pinnacle of humor is nut shots and farts, I'm not really going to be on board with that. That just becomes painful at that point because it's just not funny. But I think this, this movie is perfect into our overall topic that we're going to discuss today. 
which is yes, it is video games to movie adaptations. And so, what what are we going to call this segment? I'm I, I'm we are trying to think of what exactly we want to call this segment. So, if you are listening to this podcast, email us at you can email us at podcast at retrohangover.com and uh, suggest a name for our main topic segment because we've been mulling over a few options and we haven't really settled on one yet but we're going to soon yeah but uh, if anybody has any any good suggestions we'd love to hear it um, but yeah so our main topic for this week is as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast um, movie adaptations of video games so this is something that has had a very checkered past and by and large um, hasn't been that great Really, I don't know. I, I have yet to see something that I think has really done a video game justice. There have been some that have gotten close, and I know that some people will argue against these, but I, for one, thought that the first Silent Hill movie was actually, as far as video game adaptations go, pretty good. It was okay. It didn't really follow the story. No. But... In and of itself, it was not a terrible movie. I enjoyed it. Um, the first Resident Evil wasn't god-awful either. Okay, well, see, that's where I'm probably going to diverge from a lot of people's opinions, because I actually like the Resident Evil series, like all of them. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't really follow the main plot of the games. It no, doesn't it doesn't. follow the game at all. No, it doesn't at all, And but I don't like it for that reason, Um I like it because I actually just like them for being fun action movies. Yeah. Um, I don't have Again, a whole lot you of... turn your brain off and enjoy the, the action. Right, exactly. And I, I don't have a lot of investment into the lore of Resident Evil. Um, so the fact that it wildly diverges from that doesn't bother me. Uh, as I said, I just like them for what they are. But yeah, Silent Hill, even though I am a big Silent Hill fan, the movie was not bad. Um, it, it took some liberties with the story, but overall, it was actually pretty good. The second one was fucking terrible. I don't think anyone saw it either. I saw it in the theater in 3D, and it was bad. Three disappointment. So <laughs> Just three dimensions of disappointment. <laughs> But, I mean, that that basically took it to the extreme of, well, let's turn this into kind of like a Saw movie where Pyramid Head is here again for actually no reason, and he, he just kind of sticks his sword into the screen so that, oh my god, 3D! Because Pyramid Head is cool. Yeah, exactly. And that, yeah, that that's an entirely other topic of why he shouldn't have been there because of the symbolism from Silent Hill 2 and etc etc but um, I don't know I mean what do you what are your thoughts on these because there have been a lot of just total shit bombs as far as like video they, game they, I don't think they haven't they, they haven't really figured it out and I like you look at the evolution of media and if you look at evolution of media every, you know it starts out written or it starts out like drawn Things that are drawn end up becoming things that are written. Things that are written end up becoming things that are acted. Things that are acted ended up becoming things that were filmed. Things that were filmed end up becoming things that were interactive, which is where we're at with video games. Mm-hmm. Things that essentially what we're doing right now is we're playing interactive plays where we kind of make out the decisions and we either play a script or the, our decisions impact where we end up going in our games. 
So when you talk about movies that are going after video games, you're talking about or movie adaptation of video games. You're talking about a step back. So you're trying to decrypt it, and you're always going to lose something in translation. Because a lot of the experience that people get out of video games is making the choices that they do. Mm-hmm. It's how they manage things. It's how they cope with things. It's, the, it's, it's a whole lot of things that, that define interactivity that you will never really be able to convey into a movie. And it's been hard for movies to come to terms with books. It's been hard for movies to come to terms with comics and plays. But they found a way to do it. And that's because I believe that movies are an evolution forward in terms of media mm-hmm. from those because they, they post-date all those forms. And they're getting much better. We were just talking about Marvel and, and all their movies and how well those movies are doing based off the comics. And there's plenty of movies based off books. They're utterly fantastic. Um, I think Fight Club, the book, and Fight Club, the movie, are equals in terms of quality. And that's well, one of my favorite movies. And even 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 uh, the author um, Chuck Palahniuk. Yeah, even he said that he actually preferred the movie over his own book. So, and that's not an unbelievable statement. The movie's brilliant, but that's the thing; it's an evolution of the medium. That being said, sometimes when they make movies, they have absolutely no right to make a movie. Mario Brothers. Why are you making a movie based off that? <laughs> Because it was an easy way to cash in on an, a popular franchise, which uh, you could make the argument is probably the reason for a lot of video game movies. Actually, it's trying to cash in on a current trend. Yeah. But sometimes you sometimes you get something good, like the first Mortal Kombat movie. <laughs> which was, yes, I'm not saying it's it's a classic. I mean, it is not like a. It's not going to go down in the Hall of Fame as like a classic piece of film, but it is an enjoyable movie. I like it. I own it on DVD. Um, the second one's god awful. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, but no, I mean, the first one I think actually captured the essence of the game well enough, and also was just campy enough that it worked. Uh, the second one was just terrible for a lot of reasons, but it was because it was just awful. I mean, like, yeah. terribly filmed, terribly acted. It didn't even have to do with the fact terribly that it written. was a video game movie. Just as a movie, it awful. was bad. But uh, yeah, it was there... worse than the House of the Dead movie. Honestly, I thought. Okay, <laughs> here we go. That's that is good that you brought that up. So here's a big reason why a lot of video game movies or video game movies in general have gotten a bad rap. It's because of one man. Do you know who this man is? Uwe Boll. Uwe Boll. This guy's a douche, and there's a lot of reasons why. I don't say so, he's a douche. He's, he's a, a douche. terrible filmmaker. He is and a douche. He might douche. be a douche, too. So, <clears throat> this man, Uwe Boll, took it upon himself several years ago, now at this point, to start directing a lot of video game movie projects for a few reasons. Um, one, he felt that it was a prime, that that particular category was a prime candidate for what he was ultimately trying to accomplish, uh, which was quite literally making the worst movie he could. And there's a reason for this, because in his home country of Germany at the time, there was a tax loophole 
where if you produced a movie that lost money, you could write the whole thing off. So he actually ended up making a business out of this thing by purposefully making shitty movies and then using them as tax write-offs. And he just happened to pick video games as his category of choice. So he single-handedly kind of ruined uh, how people view video game adaptations. I mean, he did things like In the Name of the King, uh, colon, A Dungeon Siege Tale, which I'm sure a lot of people actually don't know exist. I, I actually didn't know it existed for a I while. Knew it, I knew it existed. I just didn't... I've never seen it. It was, um, it was made by him. Yeah, so it was a movie <laughs> based on Dungeon Siege. I believe he also did Blood Rain, if I'm not mistaken. He did do Blood Rain, um, which was actually one of his better films. Which is not saying much. No, it's not. Yeah, no, that that's that's coming. Uh, <laughs> we're, so we're looking at a list of movie uh, adaptations of video games right now, and there's a few that are coming in the future. But, uh, so he, he's behind a lot of them, and they were all categorically terrible. There are more that are coming out in the future as Chris is, like, lamenting this list that he's looking at. But, uh, so, for instance, there is a Mass Effect movie, um... There is a Shadow of Colossus movie that is still TBA. That could be good, though. Any of these could be good. Could be. Well, There's a Metal Gear Solid movie that might be in the works. Yeah, there is an Assassin's Creed movie that is actually coming out because that's been in the works for a while. That, that could be all right. Uh, there is an Angry Birds movie, which is... They, 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 okay, that's, that's going to be a cartoon. It's going to be stupid as hell, but of course, that's fine. It's fine. There is Hitman Agent 47, which is their attempt at rebooting that thing because the original Hitman movie that they made was... Really not that great. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they're still working on trying to make this happen. There's quite a number of movies that they're they're trying to release. I want them to be good for so many reasons. But then you get things like the Doom movie. Did you actually see that? No. I didn't hear it was awful, though. It looked like it was based off Doom 3. No, it was awful. I'm going to tell you why. So, if you're familiar with Doom at all... But it has The Rock in it. Come on. But continue. Please don't. It has Rock. Dwayne Johnson. Please don't. If you smell what I'm cooking. I I do not. I refuse to smell what you are, in fact, cooking. If you're familiar with Doom at all, you know that the basic premise of that game series is that we, as humans, created teleportation technology on these outposts that we had on the moons of Mars, uh, Deimos and Phobos. And in the process of testing this technology where they tried to pass things back and forth in a teleporter between the two moons, we kind of maybe accidentally opened up a portal to a hell dimension and a bunch of demons came pouring through and that's where your silent protagonist, the Doom Guy... Uh, comes in and blasts the shit out of everything and saves the planet. That is the basic premise. It's not a great story, but it is what it is. So when they made the Doom movie, they were like, you know what? Fuck that. 
it's not going to be demons. It's actually just uh, an infection of some kind that turns them into sort of maybe zombies because the Resident Evil movie kind of came out, and that's a thing people like, right? T-virus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... And zombies. Not only was the movie just bad, they also changed the fundamental core of what Doom is. Like, that movie would have been so much cooler if they had just stuck with the idea that they are demons from a hell dimension, and instead they took what I thought was just, like, a softball lob and went with the crappy, like, infection story instead. And then in addition to that, this was still relatively early on in The Rock's acting career, and let's just say it wasn't that great. And there was also a a section in the movie where they went first person to try to simulate the gameplay from, like, Doom 3. And... that, That part was just awful. That was just... And, like, embarrassingly, like, laughably bad. Yeah. That, that was the part I heard was like, like, what? As a matter of fact, that movie, uh, I went to see with my best friend in high school when it came out, and that movie, to this day, is the only one that I have actually walked out of. But, I mean, we're looking at a list of movies right now, and I think, you know, we can kind of talk about a little, like, briefly, like, five seconds on kind of each one. We're using Wikipedia. Um, the, the first one they're using is Super Mario Brothers from 1993. Garbage. Bad, bad in an entertaining sort of way, but still bad. Uh, garbage. Garbage movie. Double Dragon with Alyssa Milano. Also terrible. Bad movie. However, they came out with a game on the Neo Geo uh, based off it. Yeah, yeah. A game based on a movie based on a game. I think I think that was the first one that did that. And... It wouldn't be the last. Hope, I, wish it was, <laughs> I wish it was the last. Because the next one was Street Fighter. <laughs> okay, so I actually was kind of like Street Fighter. It's so only, campy. But that's why. I actually like it because it's so bad. Because as Raul... Uh, Raul Julia. Raul Julia. That was his last movie. Bison. Before he passed away, but actually. For me, but that was Tuesday. <laughs> Wait, what was Tuesday? It's from oh, you the just movie. Don't, it's a oh. line from the movie. It's, you have seen this movie more than I have, apparently. <laughs> no comment. Um, <laughs> and then, see, here's the thing. Double Dragon it was a beat 'em up, became a fighting game, uh, in, in the Neo Geo release, which a lot of people don't know about. Um, and a Street Fighter fighting game made a movie out of it, Mortal Kombat fighting game, and the interesting thing, of course, as many of you know, is that Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter were the two major properties back then. So Street Fighter the movie awful. Mm-hmm. Jean uh, Claude Van Damme, a Frenchman playing the main character who was Guile. Who was supposed to be like... He's your gung-ho American guy. The most American of Americans. Because everything goes with Guile's theme. It does. Yeah, so you have Guile with a French accent, which doesn't make (laughs) any sense. And Ryu is relegated to, like, this nothingness, which is totally Street Fighter. But, so you go to Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat, the first one was good, followed by... We've already discussed Annihilation, which we both agree was terrible. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember a Wing Commander movie because I thought the games themselves were kind of the Wing Commander movie. Well, I mean, they were FMV, right? So they kind Heavily. of they kind of were in a way. But look at their budget, yeah. like Mark Hamill, yeah, Ian yeah. McClellan. That 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 that's not the movie. That's the video game. Yeah, no, I know. I don't think the movie actually had Mark Hamill in it. I don't believe so. Um... I mean, and then you go to something like Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Which um, made a lot of money. 
Dude, it made a lot of money because of Angelina Jolie and her tits. That's it's, that's the reason. To this day, it's probably one of the better video game movies ever made, too. <sighs> I, uh, I don't know. I guess. I... Mm. Then you have Final Fantasy Spirits Within, with his wife Sakaguchi is no longer with Squaresoft. I feel like that was sort of an unfortunate missed opportunity, because there was a lot of tech that went into that, and... I feel like it was the wrong time. Like, I feel like that was a little premature to try to make a 100% CGI movie like did, that. Did you but see that movie? I, I saw it in a theater. I did too. Yeah. It When I saw it in the theater, it was one of the most awkward experiences. Well, it's because you're hitting that, like, weird uncanny valley thing where... It was it's, very weird. Where it's close enough to reality to be weird, but not enough to be accurate. That's that's where you get that uncanny valley problem. So, like as I was saying, I think it was a little premature. They yes. this was in two thousand one, and they tried to do an one hundred percent CGI movie like that with no actual real actors. It it was uh, and how that might be it might be the uncanny valley, which is why that movie is so unsettling. Yes, that is why it was an admirable attempt, but it just really didn't work. But it, it killed Sakaguchi. Yes. It, it, it pretty much said, hey, you're no longer working with us anymore. Yeah, and then, as we said, there's, like, Resident Evil, which I actually like that series, but not because it has anything to do with the actual games. And we'll um, just kind of hit some of the bigger ones going down. Uh, Alone in the Dark, actually, what had Christian Slater in it. Which was fucking was terrible. terrible. That uh, was a bad movie. What else we got? Um... Max Payne did already have Mark Wahlberg in it. Which was also terrible. And I was yeah. actually really disappointed with that because I also saw that in a theater and I really liked the Max Payne series. And that movie did that no justice at all. Uh, you have Prince of Persia, the Prince of Persia movie, which, if you didn't realize, was a Prince of Persia movie, wasn't a terrible one. And that was with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. I actually didn't see that one. I skipped it. Entirely. Wasn't that bad? I saw it. It's. Wasn't something you really remember, but it wasn't terrible. Um, Need for Speed with uh, Paul Walker, which I heard a lot of people—not Paul Walker, uh, no, the guy from uh, Breaking Bad—I can't remember his name. Um, yeah, that's escaping me now. But yes, yeah. him. Um, that one also didn't. I mean, we're looking at the ratings for these things too. Nothing has really done that well. The best—I actually don't think there's anything above a fifty percent. The highest. Ironically, the one that we said was very unsettling, Final Fantasy Spirits Within, based off Metacritic, is the best-reviewed movie out of everything. Uh, in terms of Rotten Tomatoes, that's the best, at 44%. The best highly-rated one is Prince of Persia from Metacritic with a with a 50 out of 100. That's the highest-rated game. Actually, it's wait, scroll movie. up for a second. Keep going. Go up to Mortal Kombat. Yeah, no, Mortal Kombat actually is 58. Oh, it has a 58. Yes. It has a 58. I'm happy about that. Best video game movie of all time. (laughs) You heard heard it here. (laughs) Best video game movie, Mortal Kombat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, ultimately, actually, your assessment of it, I really like. And it's not something I guess I had thought of before, but it makes a lot of sense that it's making a movie of a video game in a lot of ways is actually a step back. And you're right. I don't know how they're going to fix that problem. I don't is it know. a problem? I mean, kind of, because, I mean, I don't know about you, but, like, I would, I would still like to see some decent movies made on some of these video game franchises that I like. Like, there is enough story 
particularly now with games, because games are so story-heavy, that I feel like they could do it if they did it right, and I'm not going to say that I know what right necessarily is, but I feel like that's one of those things that, like, I'll know it when I see it. So a lot of these coming out... Okay, so for example, this is probably the biggest one, Mm -hmm. the Warcraft movie. That's a big deal. It's a big deal, but that should not happen. Why not? not? There's not... I don't think... No matter what they do, they're not going to do it justice. See, I... No matter what they do, they cannot do it justice. I disagree with that. What are they going to base it off of? Are they going to go back to Warcraft 1? Actually, yes, they are. They're going to go back to the original Warcraft game, which is... The first movie... 90% of the people who are playing Warcraft, uh, World of Warcraft right now have no idea what the hell that is. That's... But that's part of the reason that they're doing it is because they they want to go back and actually tell the story of how all of this came to be and do it in a medium like a big budget movie where a lot of people will be exposed to it. I mean, because honestly, let's be real, a lot of the people that are playing World of Warcraft are not going to go back and play Warcraft 1 Orcs vs. Humans on fucking DOSBox on their PC. I'd recommend that they do because it is a very good game. I would also, but they're not going to. No, Warcraft 2 is much better. Right, <laughs> right. It's fantastic. So they're not going to go back, and so they might not know that story. And, and to be fair, Blizzard has put a lot of effort into making sure that backstory, at least in some ways, is also included in World of Warcraft. So if you take the time to read the, the lore... lore like the quest text and the lore that's in the game, you'll kind of pick up on a lot of that stuff. But I'm glad that they're doing that with this movie and not just basing it off of the events that happened from World of Warcraft on. So this is going to be a good origin story. And everything that I've seen as far as like the uh, stills and stuff that they've released so far, it has a very real potential to be really good. Um... I think the Uncharted movie will be better. See, I have, like, no dog in that fight whatsoever because I have never played an Uncharted game. Neither have I. But I did from from what I've seen from the... Like, I've played the Warcraft games. Yeah. They're, they're goofy, fun games. Yeah. I, I can't look... Like, if you they take it too seriously, it's not Warcraft. I don't know, though. Like... Especially with the direction that... I mean, there's still a lot of campy shit in World of Warcraft. But But if it's too campy, it's not going to be considered to be a good movie. Right. But there's also a very serious undertone to a lot of the major plot points of the Warcraft universe Mm. that I think they're hitting on with this movie. Like, if you saw... Well, it was kind of, like, leaked because it was something they showed to a very, like, small select audience a while ago... But if you saw some of the footage that they showed of the CGI that they've done for, like, the orcs, the particular scene that they showed was very serious. Like, it was a very, like, emotional moment where it really, like, humanized an orc, which in in and of itself is impressive. But, okay, so here's the question I got. And this, this goes back to the evolution of the medium, right? Okay. Okay. So they're talking about a very emotional scene. You said you saw it from a movie? From the movie. From the movie, right? Yeah. Okay. Is that scene going to have as much impact when, 20-year-old spoilers, Sephiroth kills Aerith? That, that's hard for me to answer because like I'm invested in that lore. So for me, 
yes, possibly, because I, I'm already familiar with that, so it's going to have a bigger impact for me. I know where you're coming from, where you're saying, like, you have been playing this game for X amount of hours, and you are personally invested in the characters. Is it as invested as when Laura says, I am not your Mary, Silent Hill 2? And we're talking now, we're, we're more than a decade away from that point of the evolution of the, of the media. Yeah. And we're almost two decades away from Sephiroth killing Earth. Mm-hmm. We are on um, what, Final Fantasy VI was released, what, 1994? Something like that. Something like that. Now, of course, there wasn't, it's, it's hard to get that emotional investment if someone just played this now, but is that as strong as the emotional investment that a character you play with Celeste is debating whether or not she's going to kill herself and throw herself off a mountain or off a cliff. Well, and uh, as, as you see, it progresses with each one. I, you know, I'm going back, but as you move forward, each scene, if you played those games, and you, each one is going to blow you away in a different way, and each one is going to have more of an investment. When you see an orc being humanized, right, and you're an outsider, you're invested in the lore as someone who's played Warcraft. Right. 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 And you're saying you saw that scene, mm-hmm. but if you're just someone who never who just watches movies and sees that, what do you think they're going to think? I think that they'll be invested in it as much as anybody is invested in a movie that they watch that they don't really know what they're getting into until they start watching the movie. Like that's. But do you think it will ever match that as they just went through a game and had a very emotional scene? Because plenty of games have these emotional scenes now. No, and I, I see what you're getting at, and I agree. I don't mm-hmm. think. I don't think that any movie is going to give you the same sort of involvement that you would get from playing the game because you are more personally invested in it because you are the one that is making those choices and you are the one that is interacting with that world. You will never get that from a movie because you are, by and large, a bystander. I mean... And so I I totally get that. Mm -hmm. Um, and And yes, I agree. I don't think it will necessarily have the same impact, but if we're trying to get the film medium as close to that same experience as possible with these video game adaptations, I have a lot of high hopes that the Warcraft movie will accomplish that, or at least get close. As close as may be possible. I I just don't think you need to, because I've seen games like... Metal Gear Solid 4. Or just but, I mean, this take Metal Gear also, Solid anything. Well, this will also reach... This will potentially reach a whole lot of people that might never play those games. And you might turn them on to playing those games. Sure. And um, obviously that's one thing Blizzard hopes for, or any of these companies hope for, is that these branching out into other mediums, they're hoping that it might bring these people into these you know game universes and get them invested. I... I don't see it as a bad thing. I just want them to be better quality. That's really what I want. Like, do I think that you're going to get the same experience as you would from actually playing a game and being personally invested? No, I don't. I don't think that'll ever happen. There's just a level of interactivity there that you'll never get with a movie. Um, But I also appreciate... some. I appreciate the fact that some of these franchises that I do like are being expanded into other 
other realms. Like, I mean, Warcraft, mm-hmm. for example, you know, they've had mangas and comic books and and books, novels written in this universe. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate that because I enjoy it and so I want to have more of it. I just want to make sure that the more of it that I'm getting is actually quality material. And unfortunately, the vast majority of these video game adaptation movies have not been quality. They've been like cheap cash-ins to try to make a buck or that maybe the people making the movies don't actually understand what the games really are or what they were trying to accomplish. Now, I think I think what just what we're talking about here, I think I can key on the main problem. And video games do this to an extent, too. So just hang with me for a bit. These movies are based... These movies are trying to appease the fans of the games. Yes. They're trying... So these movies are made in mind, based off the games, so that the fans of the games won't get too terribly upset. So when they make these, they know whatever the fans are going to get upset. If they completely disregard the source material, then you're not really making a movie based off the game, and the fans are going to get up in arms, and it's not really going to be based off the games. I mean, look at, like, have you seen the trailer for Gem and the Holograms? <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. It has nothing to do with the show. Yeah. So people are getting upset about that. But now imagine that based off, that, that trailer was actually based off the movie itself. People were happy. They went to see the movie. The movie sucked, and like, it just didn't get the point. So... When you come to things that are based off source material and different mediums, you're going to have a lot more hits than misses, if depending on how they view it. And video games do the same thing. Wait, wait do you mean more misses than hits? More misses than hits, yes. Okay. Did I say more hits than misses? Yes. Well, I was wrong. Okay. Uh, it's more misses than hits. But So video games do the same thing. Look how video games treat licensed uh, base games. Right? Like, when they try to make games based off movie licenses. They're, They're generally terrible. bad. Yeah. Uh, uh, unless a few exceptions. Uh, if you go back to the NES days, back when you didn't have plots and stuff. And, and <laughs> E.T. Well, okay. The, for every E.T., okay, there was Batman, <laughs> the video game for the NES, which was badass. Yeah. There also was uh, the one for the Genesis that was badass. And you had all those licensed games that came out for, um, that Capcom had based off Disney movies. Or, or just Disney properties that were very good. Like, the all of the Aladdin games were very good. Yeah, Aladdin, I mean, Turtles in Time. That's a classic, for that example. Was a, that was a movie-based game, but, I mean, it was a Well, I'm not saying game. movies, but it's still based on another medium. Right. Because, so. here's the thing, back in those days, you couldn't make an exact copy of the movie. It's, right. when, they tried it, it's when they tried to correlate it more towards the movie itself, with every level and every stage is where it start fucking up. Yeah. And that's where these movies, they're fucking up, is because they're thinking that they have to make, like, they have to tie so much things into the movie that it restricts their creative freedoms. Yeah, and see, and this was... Okay, I don't think that a movie based on a video game should try to recreate the already the already existing story of some of the games with with a few exceptions because for example Warcraft their whole purpose is they are trying to tell the story of Warcraft so that's kind of you can't really escape that although presumably they can expand on it more than what was told in the original games but for instance um, like the Silent Hill movie they kind of tried to follow the storyline of the first movie and also with like a little bit of a weird mix uh, or first game rather 
with a weird mix of Silent Hill 2. And part of the problem there is I think they were... The people that know the game knew that that was wrong and it wasn't following it enough, so that was a problem. I think they could have escaped that by maintaining the essence of what the game is, but perhaps telling a different story in that universe. Which is why you like Resident Evil. Sure, yeah. Well, to a certain degree, because after a while, even that series just goes off the rails as far as it following anything having to do with what Resident Evil was kind of really about. Like, it, they kind of took their own path. Well, the but... video game series did the same thing, so... <laughs> well, that's also true. That's also true. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mood argument. Yeah, but no, I, I actually think that that might be the best bet for a lot of these, like, adaptations. Don't try to retell... Like, the Assassin's Creed movie that they're making, don't fucking try to retell Assassin's Creed 1 or mm-hmm. the Ezio trilogy or whatever. Don't try to redo that. Just take take that already existing universe and all of the lore that they've created with it. Make a new story. Something that people aren't going to try to compare to something that already exists. Which is why Shadows of Mordor worked. Yeah, exactly. Like, it took the setting and the aesthetic and the core of what makes that setting what it is and then told an entirely new story and it worked. And I think that's what they need to do. Trying to recreate something that already exists, you are already setting yourself up for failure because you're going to have a bunch of fans that are going to be nitpicking the shit out of it. Well, I think this has been a great discussion about video game movie adaptations. I think it went a lot deeper than I thought it was going to (laughs) go. I think we did a knock-up job, Shane. I mean, you know, we don't say that we're ever going to come to any sort of actual conclusion with these discussions. But, no, but um, we are, I think we're the best podcast ever. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so I can edit this out, right? Okay, great. You can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I guess that sort of wraps up our rambling about video game movies. Um, ultimately, I think we can agree that we hope that we'll get some good ones because um, they're going to do it whether we want them to or not. So if they're going to uh, do yep. it, at least make them decent. That's all we ask. Really. Well, well they're going to start making movies off based off games we really don't give a shit about. So at least make them marketable. Um, at least don't embarrass the, the, the medium I care the most about and I love the most. Uh, that Just respect the material that I respect. That seems fair. So uh, next week, what are we like? We are pre-E3, right? Pre-3. So, uh, presumably... With predictions. We'll be talking about some uh, some E3 predictions and some of the things that have actually already started to come out about what's going to happen there. There are a few things I know for a fact that I am uh, cautiously optimistic about. Uh, but until then, as always, we appreciate you sticking with us this long. And, uh, and, and just, just got to say on a closeout note, thank you. Thank you, everyone, who listened to uh, episode one. Yes. It was there at our Facebook page and liked our page and listened to our podcast. It means a lot to me. I think it means a lot to us about you coming out and, and supporting this page. Uh, Shane does a ton of work to make this happen uh, because I'm so busy and I, I don't have the time to do what he does. And it's incredible what he has done to get this thing up and running. 
And you putting this, just listening to this podcast, I cannot express in words how much I appreciate it. I know this is episode two, and we want to keep this running as long as possible. But thank you for tuning in to this episode. If you tuned in last week, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, that, that gives me motivation to continue this, and it gives me something. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as, as always, if you guys have anything that you would like to say to us, um, whether it be questions or comments or praise or just uh, general disdain for whatever it is that we do, <laughs> you can either uh, check us out on our Facebook page, uh, Retro Hangover Podcast, or you can get in touch with us uh, via email at podcast at retrohangover.com. And... Um, as Chris said, uh, I echo a lot of his sentiments. I really appreciate you guys for uh, sticking with us and supporting this thing, and we hope that we can continue to do it. And uh, having said that, uh, we hope that we will see you again next week. But until then, take care. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy yourselves.